So we have that in recording, so we can just let her know that you said that. Oh, I'm recording now. You're fine. I cut so <laughs> There Did is you get so the cold much. Open? Yeah. I asked you specifically if we were recording. Oh no, I, I started when Sophie entered the room, so don't worry. This is some Gale Weathers. I don't like this. This is <laughs> My name is Adam Sass, author of Surrender Your Sons, and you are listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Intro music. Okay, so <laughs> it's been a while since we've had anyone here with us, so I forget how to do our opening when we have um, people who aren't <laughs> a cat with us. Oh, but have I just like have I just like created a new opening for you? Is this like the new? This is like, it. I'm just gonna have be. you be our opening every time. <laughs> it's gonna be like a, a it's gonna be like those radio day. stations, those local radio stations, <laughs> where it's like pink is like you're listening to one oh seven point five. Perfect. Flawless pink brush. That sounded just I like. I she was in the room. Yeah, it's, it's she's here. The illusion. It's right. The illusion. Of she's she's yeah. coming down from the ceiling right now. <laughs> it's exact twirling, twirling ribbons. Yes, but yes. My name is Brent Patrick. That's Sophie Green. We have Adam Sass here with us today. Ah. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Oh my god! Thank you so much for coming. I messaged you. I want to. I, I'm going to figure out exactly when I messaged you. Because it's been, I think, a year. Please do that live on the air. Yeah. yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is how Sophie and I operate. We find things in the moment. We're like, oh, let me check that. <laughs> Research? We don't know her. No. 15 seconds of silence. Yeah. It's like, how do we No, I did that on my recent, I, on my tour stop with my agent, Eric Smith, I, I did a thing where, where like one of the like Q&A people were like, because I was talking about like early versions of this and it was mm-hmm. like, I was talking about this like way early version, which if you've read the book and the acknowledgements, I mentioned like ha- might've had Connor Major having superpowers um, battling the Reverend on this Island. Um, and people were of course very curious about that. And they were like, read a section. And I was like, sure. And then I opened up like my old manuscript for the first time, like the moss flew out of it. And I blinked. Like I was like, I was like, okay, well, I don't know like a single section out of here. I have not, I have not vetted anything that I could read right now, so I will save that for a later date. But I so I'm going to read you the title of the book. <laughs> the yeah, title like, is. Okay, yeah, the title is. Just make it up um, on the spot. Yeah, it's, it's Surrender Your Sons, a, uh, a, a phantasmagorical fantasy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. A gay, fanta- a gay fantasia in three acts. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was, it was so first novel, it was not for human eyes oh, like it's one of those things where it's like it's not even like gonna be fun to like even unveil because it's just so like interesting parts okay like some cute like it was just one of those things where and eric smith i mean this is part of my um narrative with him is that he he turned down this book that he eventually sold mm-hmm. um so he rejected me back in 2016 for this book because it was it was just a completely different thing it was 
um, the Surrender Your Sons originally. So Surrender Your Sons, for those who are listening and are and are not aware, um, is pretty has a pretty simple storyline. It's a, it's a it's a queer YA thriller where uh, Connor Major is sent to this mysterious island where there is a conversion therapy camp, and he meets about a dozen other queer teens, and and he rallies all of them to um, overthrow the camp and escape. And it's pretty simple like that. It used to not be so simple because it used to be like, Connor has superpowers. It was just like crazy. It was, it was seven years ago and it was, um, it had started with, um, it was a uh, TV pilot that I had written just after college. And it was going to be this like, it was kind of like the boys, but not as like bro-ish. Like uh-huh. it was kind of like super heroes but kind of watchmen but kind of like it was just it was a bunch of kindas which is why it never went anywhere um and um and i i was like okay when i left the world of screenwriting and i was like okay i really want to write a book and i just turned 30 and i was like okay what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna do something different and i wanted to write all of these different like little origin stories for some of my characters and my main character um Mm -hmm. that i wanted to do an origin story on uh his name is nightlight and his secret name was connor major and I was like, well, how did he come to that name? What's the backstory? What's this and that? So it was going to be this whole like superhero origin story, kind of Kill Bill. And it was it was adult back then. So it was very, there was like a slot. Like he was basically like the only one to survive. Like he just like emerged bloody from this island battle. Like he just like killed everybody. It was just, it was going to be this like Dark Phoenix sort of story. Love where, um, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Um, and he was immortal and it took place in the eighties. Like it was just like, it was completely like, if you look at old, like, original things of Star Wars where they're like, Luke Starkiller battles, blah, blah, blah. It's some, like, wild, different version. That's kind of how I feel about this. So, yeah, it was this other version for a while that... And just it just became very clear that, like, the only interesting part about this for me was not so much the sci-fi stuff, was not all this fantasy stuff on the top. It really was just this, like, mysterious, hopeful, rallying story about Connor... Um, community building and helping this community who really didn't need a bunch of his help, but he's helping lead this this revolution that's already really underway when he arrives. So it was this it was this sort of powerful queer victory story, and that was um, especially after the election in 2016. Um, definitely, when I just felt like everybody, it just felt like what I needed to write. It felt like what people suddenly wanted to read. Um, and it just suddenly became worth people's time. You answered one of my questions without me answering it. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's my specialty. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the podcast episode's over. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much just for saying, tuning in. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> click the link for you. Yeah. Uh, Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Yeah. Um, I messaged you back in, um, I think it was July of 2019. Boom. Oh, amazing. Okay, so for over a year, we have been plotting this day. Yeah. I was was really looking forward to this. (laughs) I I think you announced your book, and I was like, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, because again, like, I mean, like, when you announce your book, like, people are are excited and whatever, but, like, um, it's always nice to, like, just talk to readers, because, like, talking to readers has been... I'm not going to say, like, the only good part about this. It's the only, like, good and not complicated part of this. It's just Mm -hmm. so gratifying. And my book has been out for about two weeks now. And, I, you know, there's been a lot of great attention. There's been a lot of, like, really nice, like, messages and whatnot. But um, the part, the only part that's never, ever overwhelming, because there can be, like, a good overwhelming part Mm -hmm. to this this gig. Like, it's really... um, 
it's a lot of messages. It's a lot of this. It's a lot of that. You, you know, you're, you're dropping at the same time as a lot of other really amazing people and a lot of really amazing books that also deserve other people's money and attention and time. Mm -hmm. Um, so there is a part of that that makes you feel like super responsible for like, if somebody's like paying attention to you, like pay attention back. Yeah. Um, it's, it's sort of a responsibility you feel. And that can be overwhelming, especially, um, if you're used to like, if, if it's your first time, so if you're just used to not that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So, but the, but the best part of that has just been, you know, people who have read it and the response and readers, it's just, it's just been like, that's been the best part of every day. Like getting a message from somebody who like did finish it, finished it in one sitting, got it, you know, like really, mm-hmm. cause it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a book that can be tricky for some folks to get. Although like, I feel like that was maybe just in the, in the lead up to selling it, people were mm-hmm. kind of like nervous to get it. Cause it, it was sort of this like um, dark humor, um, you know, queer vengeance book, um, which can be like a little bit of a difficult sell because, you know, like queer way is really super big, but, um, and it's full of hope, but it's not on its face full of hope. I mean, the story we're pitching is like a very heavy, thorny story. So it took a bit of convincing and Eric was, my agent was just um, like tireless in, in getting people. He basically had like me and Eric who were like, like two kind of like really energetic, passionate, kind of mostly positive people online. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the two of us worked really, really well to sell folks on like, you know, this isn't just going to be like a, a big like torture fest where everyone's just going to be miserable the whole time. It's not going to be um, a little life the YA version. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's going to be like, not that that would be not bad, um, I will take that moniker if that exists. But um, yeah, I think it was just one of those things where it was um, the reader response has been really wonderful to see how much people really do care about Connor the way I do. Um, to have people discover stuff about the book that I, I myself did not even kind of realize up front, but then like kind of always knew was part of the to the thing and just seeing what people like attached to and, and you know, and um, what parts they, they find to be their favorites. I think it's just wonderful. Um, so the question I had that you answered was, how did Con- Connor come to you? And you you kind of answered that for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really... But I think Connor, um, as he existed in my superhero script from when I was like freaking 2005, um, mm-hmm. is different. Um, Connor now um, is a little more closer to parts of me that I really, really like. And... I always kind of saw Connor as this um, combination, um, sort of this, just like this really, like this kind of small country kid. Like I, I saw him as a combination of like Clarice Starling and Mark Sway, the kid from The Client, um, the Brad Renfro play. Like I, that was that was a kid who really like imprinted really hard on, um, on Connor Major, if you've not seen it. If you have HBO Max, I would recommend. Yeah, I was like, thank you for explaining what that was from. Yeah, the client. So the client is. Um, it was like a John Grisham movie. So I I rewatched it um recently. Um, when Joel Schumacher passed because it was Joel Schumacher film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Tommy Lee Jones and Susan Sarandon and uh, it's I like you know like Tommy a, Lee Jones. 
Oh my god! Well, not not me. I don't not know me. how. I remembered. <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> Not on my watch yet. No, I mean, like, it's, I mean, it was kind of like, I loved it. I was, I was like pulling some of these archetypes from um, a 90s thriller. Um, Mary Louise uh, Parker plays Parksway's mother. She's wow. amazing in it. She, but she's, she's sort of like um, Connor's mother, the good version. Like, she's like really good, but she's like kind of this like in over her head country mom. Um, and so really like. So Nancy um, from Weeds. It, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, with a little more with with her uh, fried green tomatoes accent. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a really it's a great yeah, movie. I really too. suggest oh you watch God. it. So yeah, it's so like he's like this twelve year old kid, and um, he's like kind of just the Sassburger kid, and he's just really like giving people the business, and he's the older kid, and he's very like, um, and then he witnesses um, this lawyer. Um, and him and his little brother witness this lawyer um, shoot himself. And before he does, this lawyer kind of threatens him and is like working for the, he's like a mob lawyer. Uh-huh. And he like tells him a secret, like, oh, they killed this senator and the senator's body somewhere. So then it becomes like he's a witness and the, and the younger brother kind of becomes catatonic from the stress. And um, so this kid, Mark Sway, becomes like a number one, like center of this like, Tommy Lee Jones is like the state attorney who's like trying to get him to confess mm-hmm. that he saw all this, but it's going to put him and his brother and his mom at risk. And Susan Saranda becomes Mark Sway's personal attorney who's like, and she's like, she's another, she's kind of like Evelyn in, in Surrender mm-hmm. Yourself. She's a little just like, you're not coming near this kid. Like she, like she's telling Tommy Lee Jones off in this movie. Everybody go watch it. Anyway, so that, so this is sort of kid. Like I wanted this, I wanted this queer white protagonist. She was like, sassy and southern a little country and a little like low country and just in general was just sort of like didn't want people to know how like beat up he was inside feeling mm-hmm. um and he was really like i'm gonna focus on the on the on what's happening and i and i got a response to everybody um but that's like that's him covering for like him feeling so 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 vulnerable so mm-hmm. that's where you get a lot of the humor from is that you've got this kid who just refuses to admit that he's feeling really scared about everything. Yeah. Um, and so that's part of Connor that I think I love the most and people have been really enjoying is that he's indomitable. Like he's just, you can't like get him down. Like it's one of those things where like the more you throw at him, like the harder he comes back. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's, um, it's something that I, always strive for with myself like it's one of those things where like where your character is not quite you but it becomes like what you really super want yourself to be like when i was 17 i wish i was him yeah he's like a powerful sasquatch he really is and he's he's like like, i'm five foot two and i'm going to verbally beat your ass he's like i am own voices short and (laughs) yeah i mentioned he's like short in every chapter (laughs) I love that. I love that like, so much. It's part I'm so of him. close yeah, to the ground like right now, and looking up at the other boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's there's a line I'm really like I'm really fond of where he's um, talking to Drew Schreiber, who's like this tall model, beautiful guy, um, and he was like, but he's like barking at him, and it's just like, oh, it was like a chipmunk Boston around a flamingo. Like it's just a weird like certain moment. I just loved like this image of just him. I don't. You're six four. Great. Like I. That's how I feel about these Twitter gays who are like six five. I'm just like super wonderful. Good for you. I'm telling you off anyhow. 
That's great. Your height is your personality. <laughs> Good for you. There we go. I'm still there going to go. yell at you. Yeah, Drew Schreiber is definitely uh, a. My height is my personality. Okay. So, yeah, my height and my hair is my personality. I have no relation to that at all. I have no idea what that feels true. like. Not true. once. Yeah, that was another kind of fun thing about Sony Sons writing it and and being and like as I as I like lived on Twitter more and more. Um, it became real fun to kind of just bring in those like queer community dynamics that you'd see, like the fun stuff and the like, Hey, work on this mm-hmm. uh, stuff mm-hmm. where, you know, cause Connor comes in real hot and he's like, I've been here eight hours. And I've had enough. And, and it's <laughs> like, well, we've had to adapt to live here and you think you got all these ideas, but maybe you got to shut up a little bit. And we're trying yeah. not mm-hmm. to get killed. Right. Our exactly. faces slash. Right. No, exactly. No, like no, we're, we're all being attacked. So yeah, I, I I had a bit of a fun with that where it's a little like, okay, yeah. So you think you're gonna run for the boat right away? Great. No one here has ever thought of that. What a weird idea! You run for yeah, the boat. That's what a fabulous idea. One of us should have done that before now. Like, well, I've been here for almost well, a year. Why haven't I thought of it? Yeah. <laughs> There's a boat. There's a boat. Amazing. Fake it. Fake it through a week and just get out of here and dance out of here. What does that mean? Where really it's good. like. You got paid for this? I got. I only got paid seven dollars. I only got paid two. You guys got paid for this? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You just swam. Um, so cool. Oh my god. Um, Sophie, do you have any questions? I feel like I've just been like talking um, over you. Well, you like kind of answered it a little bit, but we have nothing. I, the whole. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But the the whole like book, I think just like the way you write and like the atmosphere of the island is like everything's like muggy and they're like constantly being like just overwhelmed by heat and it's very like suffocating atmosphere. And I always like in the back of my head, I was like, is something magical gonna happen? Or am I just like putting my own thoughts in here? But so when I read like your note in the back that was like, this was technically going to be like a mystical superhero story. I was like, okay, I still felt like some of that energy in the story itself, especially like uh, as, as vague as I can possibly be because I don't want to spoil things, but like right. closer towards the end of the book, you kind of like have the Avengers assemble for lack of a better phrase for where sure. like this, all of the kids are kind of like, okay, I can do this. I'm really good at climbing. I'm going to do this. I'm like really small. I'm going to go do this. Like that moment. I was like, okay, so we have all the superpowers. Let's go. We're ready to like fight the big bad. It's like great. That, it's end like- game. Yeah. It's, it, thank you for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think in general, like I always saw um, Surrender Your Sons and this island as um, I'm always a fan of, even if it's like a contemporary, I'm always a fan of like, a hyper-realistic world where everything's, you know, bigger emotions are bigger. Um, you know, the, 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 the landscape has like a, a strong physical presence. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I really am like, I, I knew that so much of this book was going to be like capital R real that I was like, okay, well, I, I can't have it just be like, drab or like so real that there's no escape like I, there had to be some sort of like you felt transported mm-hmm. and that's why it was like that I mean and and honestly the way things escalate on the island as Connor and his friends start to escalate their hostilities against the the camp that's holding them there um 
it was going to be important to have, like, it, I, I really feel like it w- helps the believability of how quickly it's escalating because there is already this sort of, like, you're not in the real world anymore mm-hmm. kind of feeling. Like, mm-hmm. that they brought these kids to this island so that they could culture shock them. So they could be like, you know, phone, you know, get your Wi-Fi, your precious video games, like, none of that normal stuff. Um, and in doing so really brought them into like a Lord of the Flies moment where it's like, okay, yeah, great. We're going to revert. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to turn to violence very quickly here. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it does happen super quickly. Cause the, the whole story kind of elapses over the course of a few days. Which I was like shocked by. Cause I think there's, it's like time is like somewhat foggy and then there's a lot of time jumps in the book, yeah. like a couple of days. Then there's like years that are like, kind of like as flashbacks and like right. towards the end of the book. And I was like, wait, this was only, it's only been like two days since like chapter <laughs> yeah. one or something. Right. I was like, hold on, I need to lay down. <laughs> we've only, we've literally only been here for hours. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a thing where the original version took place over two years. Like Connor stayed there for two years. Wow. Um, and it was, and it was brutal and no, trust me, no one would want that. Like <laughs> it just was, it was one of those things where it was, um, like it would have been that like American Horror Story apocalypse moment where it was just been like, how oh, great, how long are we going to stay here? A few days, smash cut to 18 months later. Um, and he's, you know, and he's adapted to the whole, you know, it's like Castaway where he's just been there forever. Yeah. Um, and it was, and it was great as an adult story, but like, mm-hmm. I think for YA and in general, the reason I wrote it so fast was, and didn't like linger around in the thing is I felt like the story was calling to me by saying it has to go up in flames so quickly because mm-hmm. they've constructed a tinderbox. They've constructed this highly unstable environment Mm -hmm. that's a house of cards that depends on the compliance of kids to keep it Mm -hmm. from going up but you have a camp that is sitting on um i keep making ryan lasalle laugh with this i keep saying the camp is sitting on a secret um (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) but it keeps i keep almost on a secret <laughs> sitting on a secret, yeah. So the camp is sitting on a, on a. They've been they've been disguising a mystery for many many years, and they've mm-hmm. been um, they've been covering up a crime, an old an old crime that's about over twenty years old. Um, so they've been covering that up, barely doing a good job. So I I mean that's the thing. Like this whole camp is a little also a little bit like I was I was learning from watching the news and being like, people are just in plain sight, getting away with stuff. We're aware that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is someone going, okay, well, we're going to do something. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of this where I was just like, okay, I, I want them to have like barely even tried to conceal that something is up here. They've yeah. done a lot. They've done really good work at concealing what the core mystery is, but they are suspicious as hell day one. The, the, the staff is has their own little secrets that their own personal stories that they're concealing mm-hmm. also in plain sight. Um, you have a, you have a, you have a staff member Briggs who is um, a former camper who is like successfully graduated, successful in quotation marks. Um, and he's carrying on a dalliance with one of the older uh, overage campers. And I did not see that for coming. Some time. 
Uh, yeah, that was, it was, um, and it was something where it was like, okay, I very quickly have to establish that this camper is like 20 years old and not. Like, I appreciated that yeah. so much because as was like, soon as Connor was like, they're looking at each other and I was like, how old is that child? No, 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 no. 20, still That's, a child. Yeah, you're I mean, welcome for I'm that like, chapter right away. Where he's not like, a good person. So like, right. I wasn't going to put it past him as like a character development, but I like, right. as a author who created the story, thank you so much for that yeah that's one of those things where like I already had kind of like teased a bit of that because you do have something where Connor's um the, the story kind of begins because Connor's best friend Vicky who was his girlfriend um uh when he was closeted um had been uh carrying around with um carrying around I keep saying the carrying around that's that's what you know Drew is doing but um you know she had been seeing this um much older guy at work like the movie theater she worked with and she had become pregnant and that's really become that really becomes a core part of like the trouble that Connor gets into is that she that he's um people think he's the father of this baby um and then she refuses to like say the real situation is that like she was taken in by this older guy then she was believe she was in love with this person um and then there was a baby like so there's this kind of there is already at play sort of a cycle of an older generation really taking advantage of a younger generation right. so it's already yeah. there but it was definitely like okay if i'm gonna like engage with this in any way like um i wanted to i didn't want to play i knew i was already playing with the like um briggs is because the relationship between them is never titillating in any way. Like it is mm-hmm. like he is fully using this um, 20 year old camper as a sort of a way to, he's doing the thing that like everybody always clocks some of these, you know, like closeted, you know, uh, folks for doing, which is like, Oh, you're, you're doing, you know, it was going to be this thing where, you know, the big joke is um, online is that like, Oh, these closeted people are um passing these laws against gay people but they're themselves carrying on relationships in the background Mm -hmm. and so a big part of this was like i really wanted to like kind of draw you know sort of that type of straight reader in um with like here's what you're going to expect you're going to expect that like oh, some of the people who are running this camp are themselves you know closeted and this is what they're doing and have that be done like right away. Like that's the reveal and then everyone could be shocked, but then that's what you're expecting. And then mm-hmm. really continue twisting it and be like, no, here's the tragedy behind that. This is why this isn't a joke. And yeah. this is why they're part of a cycle of abuse where the puppet strings go higher and higher held by straight people who have forced them into these, these like arrangements um, where they have no, it's a survival choice to do this. Um, yeah. So that's something where with what Briggs and Drew have, which is um, it's just a very, it's just a very sad story because I knew I was already going to be dealing with the sort of like um, jailer prisoner like dynamic, which is mm-hmm. already like a, a complete power imbalance problem. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to also on top of that be like, oh, there's also like, it was just, it was one of those things where I was like, Briggs thought he was completely cool just because this guy was overage. Yeah. Um, where right. it was like, and then he, throughout the course of the book, no spoilers, realizes that like, oh, that too was um, a super big problem, and here's why. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's the the book does engage with like a lot of these different 
damaging um, relationships that uh, people in the queer community can find themselves in from time to time. Because mm-hmm. that's something where I, I um, and I know I'm probably like going totally away from your question. So, but um, this is something that I have wanted to talk about a bit, like where I, it, this probably isn't where, you know, queer way normally goes, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily, but I felt like um, I wanted to write this book for better or for worse for um, queer people to read, young queer people to read and and kind of see some of the potential traps and recognize some of the potential, like some of the people that they could potentially run into in their lives. And mm-hmm. here's the man behind the curtain, behind these things that look good up front. Like here's, here's what um, a, you know, your your bigoted mother presenting you with a with a catch-22 solution that seems like it's going to help you up front but actually is going to hurt you down the road Um, and then here's this older guy who's very charming and whatnot and is going to seemingly draw you in and be like okay yeah he's like really caring about you but actually um here is the trap within that um so that was something where i don't know i kind of just wrote this book being like if I never, I, I was just like, no one's going to publish me again after this book. So I'm just going to write it all into one book. Um, and all my life lessons, it's just going to be my big Aesop's fables, the book. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think um, the, the thing that I didn't expect was I think a lot of the books that we have read, especially on the podcast where it's like, if you come out, everything will be fine. Something bad will happen, but it won't be that bad. And it's like, you'll have like you'll have the act break where your friends are like mad at you for yeah. some reason <laughs> other than the thing, and then and it kind of comes back at you. Yeah, yeah. and then um, it's like fine, but then like this is like a realistic thing where it's like you have to gauge the situation, and not everything is going to end up like Love Simon. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's funny, and it's funny because like I have, you know, I. I you know, it's it's been funny, like, getting to know Becky Albertalli while yeah. writing this book. Um, mm-hmm. And who is, like, super fabulous person. And, you know, we've talked a bit at length about this book. Because um, I do I do name check Love, Simon in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was, like, super worried about having sent her the book. Um, but <laughs> um, it was not in a, like, oh, Love, Simon's fake way. Like, I was just like, yeah. like, no, Love, Simon is doing this job. But, like, it was one of those things where... Um, I was I was really interested in the idea of because um, this book kind of started around just after a few years after the It Gets Better movement really began with those videos, mm-hmm. um, and it was one of these things where like it was very necessary. It does these good things, but I believe like all things in the queer community, um, as we progress, there are like unexpected pockets of oh no that created that like that created that negative space that we weren't expecting because mm-hmm. to get forward, like when we got marriage equality, that's good. However, at large, it made people go, Oh great. You're done. All your rights are done now. So the energy right. sort of went out of that. So mm-hmm. that's bad. So it's kind of like you have this sort of back and forth. And so surrender your sons really started with um, like, how does a kid who grows up in the age of glee in mm-hmm. the age of love, Simon in the age of it gets better videos, who doesn't have a, a a safe home to come out in, like, what is that, like, oh, amazing happy ending due to someone who, like, literally is unable to get a happy ending? Does It makes, like, like, for Connor, it makes everything worse. Like, because his boyfriend, Ario, 
has only really ever known like a super supportive home and it's just like oh yeah we as soon as you come out like everything's like super amazing because it was yeah for me um and he is acting in what he thinks is his best interest but really kind of fails to grasp um the depths of connor's situation which mm-hmm. is it just forces him into like a, a really precarious moment um and yeah. it really just makes Connor feel even more alone because it's 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 now it's not well, you know this happens to all gay people. It's like well, this just happens to me, and it feels even mm-hmm. more isolating because mm-hmm. like he feels like it's just happening to him. But the cool thing about the one positive that comes out of him going to the island is that he meets people who have had it even worse than he has. He's only been on the island for a night. Um, and he meets people who have been there for a year who have had to adapt, who are in even more precarious home situations than he is. Yeah. And so that really, I think as um, a white cis gay guy, like I really wanted to like, you know, I feel like that was my responsibility to at least bring in to this book is that, okay, well, this is the main character that I'm, that's appropriate for me to write. Um, now on top of that, like he has his thing that he feels, you know, this is his trauma. This is his marginalization. That's super isolating. But um, how do you, on the other hand, then realize that like, you know, it's, it's more than just your own um, marginalization that there's like, there's, there's a much larger world out there that, you know, if you have the energy to help that out, you can and must. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was like a big part of why I wanted to bring in, um, an ensemble of teens who were in various different um, situations like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We love the moms. The, mo- the moms yeah. are great. I love the moms. Um, I would do like amazing. I would do like, I would do like so many spinoffs if I could. Yes, I seriously would. Please. I would spin off the moms. I would spin off Sue's diner. Oh my I God. Spin- yes. I've had, had so many people message me about Sue. <laughs> um, like cameo queen Sue. Like, oh. great. The yeah, screaming only. band at the end. <laughs> and um, yeah. I love that. I think uh, like a, a huge element too of like bringing Connor into the world on the island and then having like a lot of the kids be like really young, just like immediately you're kind of like, okay, everyone let's come huddle. Everyone come to me. Like I'm going to protect you. You immediately want to like take care of them because like Mm -hmm. a large portion of the kids are like younger than Connor. And they're kind of like all like, Oh, who's this new kid? Who's like, he's like shaking stuff. And they like, kind of like look up to him immediately. Um, yeah, I I, I I love the the the, the, the uh, there's there's three tiers of campers there. There's the overs who are mm-hmm. over eighteen. There's the unders who are like high school kids, and then there's the beginners who are like middle schoolers. Um, and there's like about six different beginners, and they're all each and every one of them beloved to me. Um, I will spin all of them off. If, they're if, little if, perfect if I, angels. So little angels. jelly beans. It's so I love jelly them beans. so much. I love them, and it was funny because like it was. Um, I, I it surprised even me writing it where you have these beginners who up front you're like oh these are going to be these like little kind of like c plot kids and they're gonna you know they're there to like kind of you know they're, they're gonna be there um but um and like maybe like some of these tweens are gonna like you know they're they're 12 13 years old but they're still like ooh, they're checking out the older uh guys you know and that sort of thing and he's like how does connor feel about that and like he's like well, that's weird what do i do um <laughs> and i don't know how to respond here to this and then you they are these sort of like sweet babies that you want to protect but then 
really towards the end of the story, they come into their own even more. And you're like, mm-hmm. and you kind of realize like, oh, no, 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 they're just a saucy. They're, they're just, they were quieter. And now they feel a little more emboldened. So they're going to, mm-hmm. that's why they just get like a ton of lines in the final few chapters is they're just mm-hmm. like, so because that was me I, I had a my camp story is that I was a little wallflower and I was in eighth grade and um the, the thing I credit to like bringing me out of my shell more than anything was um going to the summer camp and it was all these older kids and I just felt so like the whole first it was like a two-week-long thing and it was like the first week I was so quiet and it was like okay I'm just gonna like observe and oh yeah that older guy he's kind of cute I'm just gonna like mind my own business um Oh yeah, she's she's like she's cool. I'm gonna hang out with her. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then like the last week, it just I started opening up so much, and I realized I had mm-hmm. so much in common with them. And it really like they were like, oh, we created a monster because <laughs> like they were like I just started talking <laughs> in the last bit, and so I really wanted that. I wanted to see myself really in some of those beginners uh, towards the end where. Um, you realize like, oh, they've had all these, they don't need to be, you know, you have like Jack and Vance and Alan and, you know, and the others. And, um, and you realize like, you have this sort of when you're in high school and you kind of, or even if you're like a senior talking to a freshman in high school, you're like, oh, well, you're just like some kid. You're just Mm -hmm. some kid or whatever. And you realize like, no, they have all the same (laughs) responses to all this crap that you do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not... (laughs) like emboldened enough yet to say it and speak it aloud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then later they are and you realize like, oh, great. Like they're the same, like they're on the same wavelength as everybody else. Yeah. That scene where like after the waterfall part, yes. um, <laughs> they like ask the question. <laughs> yeah. So there's like, business jelly beans. <laughs> yes. So there's a, there's a scene. Um, no spoilers. We will cloak for spoilers. Swipe over the Inviso text to see. But um, yeah, if you haven't read the book, there's a scene um, near the near the, the majestic waterfalls where two campers um, uh, finally act upon their urges and um, have sort of a nice romantic scene. And then the beginners just like swoop on them afterwards and they want all the details and they're like, okay, what's happened? What happened? And what happened when? And how did, was it great? I bet it was great. Right. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then one character just tells them to mind their own business, Jelly Bean. I, honestly, I, I read really that aloud like... to my friend. I was like, "Can I read that to you?" She was like, "Yeah, you mean from the book about the conversion island?" I was like, "Yes." Um, <laughs> no, but wait, like, it's fun. I promise. <laughs> yeah, there were so many I times promise. that like I would say to my friends, "I'm like, can I read something aloud to you?" <laughs> That's amazing. They're like, what? Why are you doing this? Like, can I read this Yes, but also they're like. They're like bracing but for wait. a torture scene. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I promise oh there's just so much joy in this book. I really do. Like that's kind of what I I don't know. I feel like I in pitching this book, you have to pitch so much of it. Like, um, here's the drama, here's the stakes, here's this, mm-hmm. that. Like people almost to the point are like it was getting like DMs from people, like scared DMs being like, I don't know if I'm in the right place to read this book right now. You know, and, and honestly, right. like I completely get that because um everywhere you look, it's bad. <laughs> And um, so I don't like, don't, you're, you were totally right um, to, to fear that. But um, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise there's such joy and friendship and humor um, to also be had in this book. Just like in life, just like now, mm-hmm. things are scary, but there is also like so much fun to be had still yeah. in, in little ways um, while I, we work to defeat. I think <laughs> the thing that I didn't, 
realize going into the book. I knew it was like a thriller, but like I guess as I'm reading, I'm like, holy shit, this is like a thriller. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, there's a misery, there's a thriller, there's things, there's things happening. Um, I twist. do a really good job about knowing what I'm about to be getting into. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, it was a thriller, but I didn't know it was like a thriller. thriller. I was like, oh, this is like, oh. Right. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, because it's a thriller. And I was like, oh, we're going to like an an island in the jungle. Oh, this is like some like 1960s like spy film thriller. Like there's going to be like some underground like mad scientists. Like where are we about to go? Like you go on a journey real quick. Volcano layer. Yeah. I mean, the first (laughs) few chapters where you're in the real world, you are like, it, it is like, okay, great. We're going to meet Connor. And like, oh, he's just like, he's just like my little inner, inner BB. Um, and then, you know, he's dealing with real world stuff and, and this and that. And then like so rapidly, I think it's like chapter two where um, he is being like transported to the island yeah. where it was like this dizzying sort of like, I wanted it to be this like delirious, like it, it, the chapter begins and he's like on a regular freeway and then throughout the chapter he's like on a plane and then we're going to take you on plane into a jeep and then from the jeep to the boat and then the boat to the island like you're just like wait a minute you happens like you just leave reality so quickly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i remember i I was very 2020 yeah (laughs) (laughs) just every every month is a different layer of what's happening how do i how do i put this layer back on how do i avoid this Yeah. No going back. So we're going to go back. No, we're just changing transportation. Okay. So we're not going back. We're just getting on a boat now. Okay, cool. So after we're on the boat, we're going to go. No, we're okay. So so uh, we're not done. We have to walk through the jungle now. Right. Okay. So we're not done yet with no flip flops. No flip flops on this. Connor's poor feet through this. Like he's only been there a day, but like a day is enough to like permanently shred that kid's feet. Well, like running and. Yeah. Every. I mean like every book I feel like that has like some element of like a survival situation, have it be like a fantasy or like more of like a real text. There's always like a part where the main character is like, Oh, my blisters are finally calluses. And I'm like, not as damn like, kind of doesn't even have time for that. Like we're just Mm -hmm. blisters all day. Like blisters all day. And there was a scene later on where I can't remember who it was. It was my agent or my editor or whatever like that. But there was, there's a scene later on um, where, um, Connor is like trying to massage out like his poor feet, and they were just like they were like uh, they were like they were like well we could just like skip to the next part. I was like no, it's important because it's realistic because like nobody is just like freaking running like that all day. And then he's he's about to like run more than he has the entire book. And mm-hmm. I need it like, for my own like sanity. I need like a moment where he's just acknowledging that like I can't freaking walk on this anymore. Just like a breath, yeah. 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 Need Anyone who's ever been exhale. to a beach has acknowledged that feeling when they have forgotten their shoes oh and their God. towel, when they're going to walk somewhere, and it just seems like it's miles upon miles of just ouchy, hurdy shells and sand and awful rocks. It's so much. And then this is like even more so. This is an uncharted island. Like this mm-hmm. is right. this, this was like un, this has been uninhabited except for the nightlight people as far as they know. Um, mm-hmm. and this is just like, this is raw jungle. Like they don't even have an electrical grid. They don't have plumbing. They have to have these water catchment systems. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's truly like, there's nothing here. Yeah. Um, so they're like, there's, there's like, there's like the coral road, which is like the only paved road. That's it. And even then it's like, it's not paved. It's just like not 
underbrush everywhere. It's paved. It's, it's paved. just <laughs> paved. a little bit of a bird. Ah! Um, so I know that Caleb Rorig has been cosplaying in drag Miss Manners. Um, uh, isn't it great? So now that's all I'm, I imagine. So that's like bad when I'm like reading the book and I'm like, Caleb, stop. <laughs> stop abusing <laughs> these children. So stop it, Caleb. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, he surprised me with that. It was like a little present. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, you're so great. Because like, he's been doing these drag looks for, he started with Death Prefers Blondes, his, his actual drag queen book. And then he went into The Fell of Dark with his vampira look. And mm-hmm. then, um, did me a super solid and did a Miss Manners here, who is, could be a drag queen. Um, like if this was, if this was like the, if this was the musical Chicago, like it would be revealed at some point. It was just like a drag queen all along. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, it's dun. RuPaul fracking the island. <laughs> God, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, no. But yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's not great. I wish he had not done that. That's bad. Um but anyway, so yeah, like with Miss Manners, it's, um, she's so high camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing where it's like, it's kind of, she's, she's memorable, memorably evil. And I knew that she was going to be one of the less like redeemable characters. And, and I was kind of nervous about like having like, um, uh, like the female villain be like, like unredeemable or whatever. But I, I was, I was like, you know, I was like, well, we're going to make up with this by having her be like, so camp that like people can be low-key obsessed with her yeah, i like i hate like her but i kind of want to see the lemon dress everybody that's the thing like everybody everybody is like okay well who is gonna play her because she is like can't be defeated like if you were to... like sarah paulson or something oh sarah paulson in one of her many wigs she's got a it's got to be someone who is very familiar with wigs i've been i've been seeing a lot of different actresses for um miss manners because it's the easiest one for me to cast because obviously like all gays have just like a unfurling like list of <laughs> actress names here are the any. women if you tell me to like cast any of the other roles i'll just be like eh, some kid for connor i don't know i don't some know kid. some kid I don't know. find find a wonder kid find the new Short. like it kid i don't know whatever <laughs> Um, Forty-year-old man who looks like a child who is very I short. Mean, <laughs> yes. If, yeah. If this was a movie, though, that's what I'd want to see. I'd want to see like the big, like adult, like out of like uh, like really fantastical roles as like actors I recognize, and I just want to see kids that I didn't know. Yeah. Like that would be. I mean, I kind of that is the way to do. I don't know. I feel like that is the way to do it if you have these kind of sprawling. Um, ensembles which we do I mean we have just as big of an ensemble villains list like you could yeah. get like there's about four or five core villain roles where it's going to mm-hmm. be like yeah just plug that with like super familiar faces actor faces who are just like like we'll just get people excited and then I just want to find like totally brand new um, mm-hmm. out of the blue out of the blue kids that you just like super fall in love with because I, I don't know like I just can't think of a kid who's like Connor because like you could time travel and go get Brad Renfro from 1994, but um, like that's about it. <laughs> like yeah. um, that's sort of the thing with him. Um, yeah, I would just, I would just, yeah, that's the kind, of, that's kind of the vibe. Yeah, um, yeah, but definitely, um, yeah, Richard Madden for Briggs, and then Sarah Paulson for Miss Matters. Those are the only two that I know for sure. Yeah. Let's just do it. Honestly, I did watch Ratchet because I was just interested to see... Because I, I didn't read One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. It wasn't mm-hmm. required in any of my schooling, which was weird. 
So I just didn't know anything about it. So I was like watching it. I'm like, she is very unhinged. But then I like watch interviews with her and she's yeah. like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm like, what is, <laughs> hey, that's what's babe, going it's, on here? It's juicy. Ratchet is so juicy. I, I haven't seen it, but um, my dad is like about it. Like every night. So I, I'm in Rona times living with my parents. So every like night at dinner, my dad is just like, so I'm watching their episode of Ratchet, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. uh, um, never seen one Ryan Murphy project whatsoever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my, my husband and I are like super upset. We're, you know, we're, we're Ryan Murphy fans, I will say. Um, mm-hmm. But um, we were, you know, cause I, again, I love, I love a bit of high camp. I love a bit of, you know, and I don't mind like, shit where's the where's this where's the story going i don't mind that yeah um because that's that's his my thing. vibe that's my vibe as well he's like so. i'm gonna put a story here and then at the end and then the middle <laughs> amazing no I just like, let I mean, them go right they didn't even get, get super obsessed. so again like uh, we're like I mean, listen it's spooky season we are getting ready to rewatch some american horror story we were very excited my mom was like please watch that somewhere else because she's just not too spooky so sophie's um, your mom yeah. <laughs> yes. Please watch that in the other room. Get that out of my house. Somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I feel like. Oh my god, Sarah! I'm now just thinking of Sarah Paulson and like a really interesting wig. <laughs> One of the many. Like, so Miss Manners is like very. Um, I describe her as like she could be like the judge of a low Miss beauty pageant, like just gorgeous but grotesque. Like so, I mean, just like mm-hmm. like big like. Um, Trixie Mattel. Or you could, yeah, exa- basically. Or you could just get like, um, get uh, Jennifer Aniston from Dumpling and just do it again with her French tips. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also imagining, um, oh my God, who played Regina George because of the wig? Oh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Rachel yeah. Because she's so nice. Yeah. Her playing someone that is just like, awful well miss manners mm-hmm. is great because like she gets to play with like audience expectations because i, I she's sort of like one of the last villains i bring in mm-hmm. um and she, there, there's been so many readers who like get to the introduction of miss manners and are like oh thank god okay maybe she's gonna be a little awesome and like maybe there's gonna be a little bit of an ally here on this camp and then it's just like oh you don't even know you're yeah like, when you first meet her you're like with her. oh she has to do this thing it's her job she has to be she's, awful yeah she's clocking them in she's, she's <laughs> being like what are you doing like you're waving this taser at them stop it yeah she's um, like listen kids if if it gets too bad let me know like I understand. Right. I'm like, oh, this she is takes like a Connor's real... phone and is like, delete your boyfriend from this phone or I'll have it <laughs> out your face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. oh, I trust yeah. no one in real life and in books. Oh, yeah, so, work. Yeah. So, like, as soon as she stepped up, I was like, no, uh uh-uh, uh, no, 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 don't not be alone with this woman. I do not trust. <laughs> do not leave the children man. alone with this woman. Listen, see, Sophie, this is why you would with do this do great. dirty lemon dress. Well, because whatever. she's Molly. Dirty no, lemon no, no, dress. No. Yeah, that was so. Yeah, there was someone who there there was. So I used to live in West Hollywood, and there's a woman. I think she's she's still around. I haven't lived there for a few years, but um, there was a woman who would walk around um, in a full gown. Um, but the hem was really tattered and 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 kind of dirty there. But you know, we weren't sure if she if she was unhoused or not. But um, she, you know, she she just looked like she had come from a beauty pageant, mm-hmm. but was she just had this like the the hem looked like she had just been walking around the like streets for like hours and hours and hours. Um, but other than that, it looked like you would not have 
like if, if you saw her from the waist up, you'd just be like, oh, great, she's come from Rodeo Drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was this sort of image, and I would see her, when I was starting to write this, I would see her like every once in a while, and I was like, okay, well, I have to do this sort of thing where she's like Miss Perfect, but then like, oh my God, like the bottom of her dress, like does she not see it? Does she not yeah. care? Is this part of it? What's going on? Like, is mind slowly game? losing his mind. He's like, does she not see it? <laughs> yeah. Am I the only one? Yeah, there were, yeah, the book used to be like way too long. And so there was a few more Miss Manor scenes that did not make um, the cut. But, um, cause I really wanted her to come in like Jaws. Like I wanted it to just be like, every time she shows up, it's business. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So there were a few more scenes where he was, very obsessed with the dress and mm-hmm. wanted had many questions and all that. But yeah, there was this there was a scene that was cut that probably like if I if I do another, there's no plans to do one yet, but um there were like her home life behavior class was a lot more um um involved. Mm-hmm. So there was like a, there was a scene where um uh she had like female campers like have to do like makeup at like makeup mirrors and like in the attached room and then like all the all the boy campers were like had to watch sports um or she just like literally had this like awful. old she had this she had this like old vhs like air jordan like like it just it was just clear like this vhs has been on this island for like 25 years yeah. and it was like watch the greatest hits and it was like and everybody just kept looking over at the mirror because she was like ordering and she was having like she was having Molly. The whole thing was like she was going to continually menace just Molly and just to get under her nails. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like a scene where it was it was going to be this like it was this really um, tense scene. I was sorry to cut it, but it was um, it was she was doing this sort of old fashioned thing. And if you've seen um, the movie Charlie Wilson's War with Julia Roberts, she's doing this in the scene where she's um, a, a applying mascara, but it's old school mascara and it gets clumpy. Oh yeah, on your finger. And the right? way to do it is. No, she has her like uh, attach the mascara, and then what you do is you take a bobby pin and you take the fine point of the pin and you separate the mascara. It's amazing. Um, and it was going to be a thing where it was like, "Oh, honey, you're you're doing it wrong," and she takes like the pin to uh... Molly's eye, and it was just going to be this like, "Now hold still," like it was just going to be this thing because it, it it happened after like she attacks Molly already. Oh my and god! And so it was just going to be this like, oh shit, she's doing it again, um, <laughs> kind of moment. For Molly. But just for pacing, it was already such a long book. Like, but um, it will come back. So you just, it was that was a scene I was very sad to cut, but it because it was just like I was like I couldn't I, because in that version, um, Molly gets a little bit more revenge in, than she does in the current version. Mm. But um, mm. definitely, um, were the story to continue, I would continue escalating. Um, the tensions between Molly and Miss Manners. Yeah. I could see how that might stall the momentum of the story, but like definitely write like a short story of just that moment and then like send it to me. We love. Because just like you describing it vaguely, I was like already like terrified and I, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. It's such a thing where it was just like, it got to the point where it's just been like, it was, um, it was it was purely just cut for time. So on the deleted yeah. scenes DVD. Um, okay, good. Yeah, okay. yeah, the extended edition. I'll be getting that. Yeah. yeah, release the release the SAS cut. Um, release the your SAS cut. It's like twice as long, like twice. four hours long. <laughs> it's just more it. scenes of queer kids being menaced. What is that well, movie? Australia. So- <laughs> that's like five hours long for no reason. Oh please, yeah. That's, yeah. My, that's I it. See, that's why I can't ever like. 
I can't ever like talk on these directors on Twitter to be like, I was like, oh, Christopher Nolan, why does the movie need to be three hours? And I'll, like my, meanwhile, like my original manuscript was like unpublishably long. So mm. I, I love was, hearing like, that. I was like, I was like, you know who I am? I'm mid career Stephen King. That's what I'm doing. I'm just going to publish like, you got to start off strong. Thing. All right. <laughs> you know, you know, he made a mistake by publishing Carrie, which is like so short. What if he mm. just like started with it? And it was just a thousand page no. book right away. People were oh my super God. on board that, right? No. Right. Oh, speaking okay. of which, my People friend was reading, <laughs> um, what is the Jerusalem slot? Yeah, uh, Salem slot. Yeah, Salem slot. Um, she was reading that as I was reading this. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah, good spooky season books. I'm, I'm a Stephen King fan. I would, I'm, every Halloween I do, um, every October I do read a new king book that i have never read before last year i read the shining mm-hmm. which was super great for a um writer to read it's very not great <laughs> you just feel crazy like, you just don't feel well my parents well. are really big fans of dr sleep they like told me they're like you need to read it i'm like i i don't have time for this i can't do it the movie I was cool like, i liked the movie mm-hmm. well you're mcgregor yeah, in anything i'm in well yeah it was great and then you had um Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. I've been like so bad with names lately, but um, she played uh, Rose the Hat, but she's like um, Rebecca Ferguson. Mm -hmm. She is like super queen in this. Every time Sophie and I have an episode and it's like, oh yeah, the main character's name is Sophie, tell me their name again. Because I immediately (laughs) forget names. Like no No, this is going to be like, yeah, no, this is going to be the thing that like we find out like, like later in my life when it's just like, oh, he's starting to not remember actress names anymore. That's just sort of the, sort of the sign. That's the first sign. Yeah, it's the sign. He's turning he's into in Stephen his, King. He's in the home. Yeah. No. Um, I did want to ask like how you constructed the mystery of Ricky Hannigan. So originally, um, so the story of Ricky Hannigan without spoiling is uh, there is a, there is um, uh, an older man who's in his 50s who um, Connor is delivering meals on wheels to at the beginning of the story. At the beginning of the story, Ricky Hannigan has already died, um, for, like very recently. And he's left something to Connor in his will. Um, and the night before Connor was taken to Nightlight, uh, Connor opens up the thing that Ricky sent him in his will. Um, and it's um, a playbill for South Pacific. And, um, and in Ricky's uh, bedroom, every time he would bring, every time Connor would bring over Meals on Wheels, um, he would, um, there would be like rows of Broadway playbills and everything like that. Um, and he didn't know much about Ricky Hannigan other than that he had been in some um, very, very severe accident years ago, like decades ago. Um, and he had basically be- become immobile uh, below, his, uh, below his neck mostly. Um, and just, you know, in general required care, lived with his mom and um, the reverend who is um, Connor's reverend in town um, has Connor take over these sort of Meals on Wheels routes to get to know Ricky Hannigan a bit better. And the reverend is very clear. You must treat, Ricky is a very important person to me. You must treat Ricky with like the utmost care. So at the beginning of the story, Ricky has died from like an infected bed sore. It's, it's, it's something where... Um, 
you know, it was just, it was one of those things where like, they didn't notice it, that, you know, the care had been kind of um, ignored and, and then unfortunately he'd passed. Um, and people don't really suspect any foul play, but um, Connor opens up this playbill um, and there is sort of a, a message, um, a, a warning um, inside the playbill where Ricky is warning Connor, he's, the, the writing is help Connor and he's telling him about nightlight. At this point, we don't really know what Nightlight is. Eventually, Mm -hmm. Connor comes to realize that Nightlight is the name of this conversion therapy camp. So it becomes clear that Ricky Hannigan knew that Connor was going to be taken to Nightlight and he was trying to warn him about something and he needs his help with something. And so what Connor starts to unfold while he's there at Nightlight on the island is that Ricky years ago used to be a camper himself. Um, and so he starts to put two and two together that maybe this um, this mysterious accident that um, caused him his injuries happened during his time at Nightlight and is somehow connected. And so nobody on the island will will agree to talk about Ricky Hannigan. They know he exists, but they're like, we're not talking about Ricky Hannigan. They see his name places. Uh, but it's one of these things where it's a sort of a voice from beyond really guiding this mystery of this older um, queer generation really trying to um, help a younger queer generation uncover these very, very dark secrets from the past. So that's really the core mystery that's behind that. So eventually the resistance movement within Nightlight has said, okay, we have been building um, a resistance against Nightlight forever and we knew we were going to escape, but we need to close this place. We need not just escape, but close it down for good. Um, so they're saying, great, this Ricky Hannigan mystery is exactly what we you know, if they're hiding something this bad, if it's something that like injured somebody in this way, um, then yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be able to like tie them to this old mystery, and we're gonna be able to close this camp down and say that it's a really dangerous place. So then it becomes this co-mission of f- what happened to Ricky Hannigan. Let's find out. Then it's escape from nightlight, mm-hmm. and um, that turns out to be. Um, that turns out to be easier said than done for, for Connor and his friends. But um, how I came up with it was when I was Connor's age, um, uh, I was living in a town not unlike Connor's town. Um, Matthew Shepard was killed. And that was something that was extremely, um, the more time has passed, the more I realized that really... Um, put me in sort of a deep sleep about my queerness. I was not out. I was not even, um, because my town, I remember a few people actually being glad that what had happened to Matthew Shepard happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was something where I I was still unpacking this years later, but I actually had no conscious knowledge of my queerness until I was 19. Like I came out at 19, but I, I, I had no um, present awareness. And there's a chapter in the middle of the book called The Riddle of the Fog where Connor unpacks this as well. There's sort of, a, for him and myself, I can't speak for all queer people, but like for, for some, there is a bit of a fog. There's a bit of knowing and not knowing where there's something where it is so either your anxiety or something, I don't know what it is, but there is something that is preventing your mind from fully being conscious of your queerness. You know that there's some otherness you're feeling, but um, that is something where, you know, that, so that's something that I was really wanting to unpack with the Ricky Hannigan thing was I said, what if Matthew Shepard had survived that attack um, and his killers were never found? Um, and then those attackers were never found and they were never brought to justice. What would happen? Mm-hmm. Would would Matthew Shepard's story just be sort of forgotten? 
Um, so what happens to Ricky Hannigan is his, his moment happens. Um, but, uh, he lives on and then, you know, he continues to live, uh, you know, this, you know, it's a different life, but it's, it's an, it's an independent life. He still has many, very happy moments. And I wanted that to be very clear throughout that, that Ricky did have happy moments after his, his, his injuries. But uh, that was something where it was, I wanted it to, I wanted to show what a, what a hate crime really does that it, that it reaches between generations that it's, I was like, well, how can this thing that happened to Ricky Hannigan, the thing that happens to Ricky Hannigan that you do find out at the end of the book is that happened before any of these campers were even born. Um, yet it is consuming their entire lives. Um, so with that, with the Ricky Hennigan mystery, I was like, I really wanted to show how a hate crime really reaches from the past. Like why a hate crime is so bad more than just um, a run of the mill attack. Like this is something that is specifically intended to harm more than just the victim. This is something that is intended to harm like the entire marginalization it's an it's intended to harm folks generations from now this this is something where that attack you know affected me it affected everything how it like just immediately you're able to psychically injure so many people just from this um and so that's sort of the real horror that's at the heart of nightlight um and what that has to do with conversion therapy really is is that this is something where this is a camp that is okay with what had happened and they were perfectly fine pretending that it never, that it never existed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that really is the crime of conversion therapies. It's really trying to just erase our history. It's trying to make everything flatten everything and, and make us deny everything we're feeling, not just our queerness, but the things that, that really get to the heart of us. I think one part that like really like hit me in the gut and I can't remember if it's it's Briggs or Miss Manners. It's one of the the like counselors, but they after Connor figures out that something like terrible, like a terrible hate crime has happened to Ricky, they're kind of like try to use it to sway him. They're like, Well, that's why we want you to be straight, because we're using it protect to protect you, because mm-hmm. we don't want this thing that we know is bad and shouldn't have happened. <laughs> to happen to you. So this is actually a good thing because it's protecting you. And that part, just like, I think I put the book down for a second. I was like, I have to go like, I have to go. I gotta, I gotta go I lay down in the dark. I have to like, just think about that moment for just like a second. Cause that really, mm-hmm. that part really hit. Oh, well, I'm, I, it's, it's, you're, I'm, it's not the first time I've heard I have to go take a walk at the end of the book. <laughs> um, a lot of, I've gotten, I think at least so far three messages, like just literally being like, I finished, I have to go take a walk. Yeah. Um, it's, um, yeah, it, cause it is one of those things where like, and it's worse because they do believe that it's one of those things right. where they know they're not making these kids straight. They know that. Mm-hmm. They know it's control. They know it's manipulation. They know it's, and they really truly believe they're just like, oh yeah, well the solution is to just hide at all times. And because a big part of Connor's story is that he was forced out before he was ready, that part does become a little seductive to him because mm-hmm. it's like, because that, that is part, it's, 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 um, you know, nightlight really removes a lot of the nuance of, queer identity they want things to be like they won't even like acknowledge that like bi people are on the island they're just mm-hmm. they're like they're like yeah you're just in this you're like straight or you're not straight like there's just you know there's the, they, they've flattened everything they remove all nuance they remove all how this could be hitting people differently um 
and they really see things in terms of you know, you, like we're doing this to protect you because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there are people out there like that and for Connor like at a certain point I think Darcy even says to Connor one of the campers says to Connor at some point um that like yeah it seems like on your first day it's like ah, ha, 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 you know you know jerk off motion yeah sure yeah sure all this you know it's a big joke um when they say that every single day for six months in a row it starts to become very friendly this mm-hmm. idea that like oh the cause of all of your problems is just this yeah, and that right. is a little it's not like they go into your head with this little screwdriver um and then like flip it to like now you're brainwashed it's like they do it through repetition and conditioning and Mm -hmm. making you see your queerness as the cause of your suffering when it's Mm -hmm. when it's when it's these other it's 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 nuance like that but for someone like connor who's in a place where he's only seen his queerness as this just complete cause of his own suffering um even though he knows it's like can't be fixed he is like well this makes sense that you know they are trying to this is this has been a cause of like trouble in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, and, and it's, and it sucks, but that is, that is how they get you. Well, the thing I, the thing with Tom Ryan's book and also just, I think any mystery, my brain is like, I'm suspicious of everyone. So yes. I follow every red herring yes. and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I like, while I was reading his book, every new character is introduced. I was like, that's it. They're the killer. And then on the next page, someone else is introduced. I was like, no, just going to eat them. So this one, I was like, I got some of the stuff I was figuring out along the way, but also I was following all the red herrings at the same time. So I don't yeah, know yeah. if that counts. Well, there's a few big red herrings in this. Um, I won't say what they are, but um, there's a few things where I was, where I kind of was like, well, I can't do a traditional mystery where everybody's a suspect. Cause like, what am I going to have? Like people be suspicious of Darcy or right, yeah. the wig. Marcos. Everyone like, was suspicious of the wig. They, they were suspicious of the wig. Um, yes. Suspicious wig. Um, like, it's just like, like it's, it, it almost like created, it, it accidentally created this locked room mystery in that mm-hmm. there's only so many suspects. Like it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, because Connor does find out that the person who attacked Ricky all those years ago is on the island, is right. hiding on the island. And there's only so many people it could be. There's only some people um, that are alive when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's, yeah. So it's a, it is its own little locked room where it's like, I was like, well, it has to be the Reverend. And then it's like, then it's not, but then it is, but then it isn't again. Like, So yeah. there is sort of a thing where um, it's not necessarily who done it, but it's more like, like, how how did they do it mm-hmm. like and, and and for what reason like what is the what is the truth um because that's really what's more important than anything is just like well connor knows that the reverend is involved in some way mm-hmm. but like to what degree when he does finally learn the truth um um like literally no one is the same again like i had a friend who was reading it and they were like, okay, well, I'm about to enter this, the chapter where they go into the bunker. And I was like, ooh, great. Um, not everybody makes it out alive. And the people who do make it out um, are never the same again. And it's Yay. kind of like, <laughs> and I was like, enjoy the bunker. Yeah. I was like, Have fun. We love the bunker. The uh, bunker. I think a good element too in the story is not necessarily, because you do find out like, okay, so obviously like the true suspects are like all the adults, but right. I mean, for their own survival, when Connor Fritz gets there, a lot of the kids are helping the adults and they're like mm-hmm. being extremely obedient. So there is a lot of like, well, you might not be 
the person who I need to worry about, but will you tell the person I need to worry about like what's exactly. happening? So it's still like every care. I suspicious of everyone. Yeah, and, you yeah. can listen, Sophie. Got, no you, got, you got it. You got the number on that because it's, it's one of those <laughs> things where I think, and that's the the part about conversion therapy, a, a camp like this, that I felt was the perfect setting for a mystery is that conversion therapy breeds suspicion um, right. because the campers are suspicious of the staff. The staff is, is literally their job is to in, interrogate every twitch, every tone of voice, everything about that student. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, how do you keep any secrets in this environment? How mm-hmm. do you, um, you'd have to speak in such dense code in order to even plan a, a resistance within that because you were being watched so, so closely. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was a perfect environment for everyone to act like super suspicious because in order to survive, a lot of the campers have to be snitches and they have to, Mm -hmm. and again, it's not just snitches, but it's also like some of them are like halfway into buying into the program. And, um, and Marcos, one of the campers, even at one point has been there for a really long time. He's buying into the program, not because he's like, oh, I want to be straight, but it's also just like literally, and he just gets mad at them at one point. He's like, we're planning to leave and like, leave where? Go where? Home? Home sent us here. Like, where am I supposed to go? Like, I don't have some like anywhere. I don't have anywhere to go. Like, like, I would be like, we escape. I'm homeless. Like, so that's the sort of thing where it's like, it's, it's not just this like great escape, prison escape thing. It's just like, well, what are the, like, what would these kids be escaping to? Um, mm-hmm. And it fills the story with a lot of like dread, like because it is just like oh, something terrible is going to happen. Yeah, because it's just it, there's no good solution here, and that is kind of what I believe conversion therapy does: is it destroys families, it puts everyone into impossible situations, and there's no good way out of it. You'd have to just sort of go through it, save yourself as best as possible, and then and then try to heal from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's don't also funny. That. It's also a funny book. Yeah. <laughs> it's also fun. I swear I had fun while I was reading it. Also, it had no. And this parts. is the thing when I was telling <laughs> not to bring up Tom again. When I was telling Sophie about Tom, uh, Tom Ryan's book, I was like, oh, it's like right. a murder mystery, and it's like scary and dark and spooky, and there's a murder. Sophie was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to read that. No, I, I, <laughs> I, like, I was talking to Tom about it, and yeah. he was like, oh, the book is it? Is that scary? What? No, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no, don't say no. He was like, were you okay? Did you like the book? And I was like, no, I was fine. So I just, soft. Yeah. And I feel like That's that was happening when I was talking to scared. Sophie about this book. I was like, oh, it's about conversion therapy. Yeah, like, and I was oh. like, I don't, can I skip this? I don't want to read it. Cliff notes it. Read a little yeah. one-page synopsis. Yeah. Um, um. Believe me, it was hard pitching it because it was just like, people were like, right. hey, I'm like, you know, we would have people who would just be like, it's a, such an important story. It's so important. It's very important. Mm-hmm. I can't publish this. So, um, <laughs> like, you just... Sorry. I would be like, yeah, I would, like, take... I'll take less importance and more publish it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think yeah. a thing that you did that's, like, really well balanced and was and made it, like, an enjoyable read despite the context mm. is that you never dwell on, like, the abuse of any of the characters. Like, mm-hmm. there's... But there's scenes where like characters get hurt, bad things happen to the, the characters you start to care about, but it's not 
like, okay, now let me describe like the trauma they're going through. It's like very much kind of like, this is the thing that's happening. This is how Connor is processing it. But it's not like never nothing felt exploitative at all, which Thank was you. like, yeah. Thank you for that. Because I mean, it's one of those things where like I was, I think first of all, it's important if you're writing a traumatic stuff to not fall in love with it. Not, don't fall in love with the drama. Like, don't fall in love with like, oh, it's gonna be so feelsy. Everyone's gonna get feels and sads. And it's like, no, you're like, you, I, 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 especially on the last few years of revising it and getting it to where it needed to be, I felt a huge responsibility to just never fall in love with like, everyone's gonna be so sad. Mm-hmm. I'm such an important writer, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, I just I was like, everyone. You yeah. upset everybody. Everybody has to love it. They, if they aren't, they're not talking about my important story like it's I I was it was very important to me um and so so a creator I really 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 love is is David Lynch anybody who follows me on Twitter will know um is um and so Twin Peaks the most recent season season three which was which aired like pretty much around the time I gut renovated this whole book um really informed a lot of it not only in this in the in the plot but like in the storytelling because Twin Peaks is a story of abuse that's wrapped up in you love every character everybody's like so fun and has so much joy and there's like cherry pie and diners and coffee and and you know and pine trees and and owls and cozy sweaters like there is a vibe and it's not like the the murder story the abuse storylines are like showing how false all this stuff is it's just like no this is and it's and what what lynch does especially in the in the third season the most recent one that aired is he doesn't like look away from it he just admits he's just like yes these are and it was a very important show for me post 2016 because it was just like it's important to not look away from the things that are happening. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a thing that is happening. This is how it is affecting this person. We are going to look at them now and we're not going to like super fall in love with it. We're not going to write pages and pages of um, how beautiful they look while they're crying about blah, blah, blah. Like Mm -hmm. it's going to just be like, here's an ugly moment. And then it's like, okay, how does somebody in that moment emerge from their trauma? Like when, the way I interpret my trauma when I have had events, not like this, but like my own stuff, the way I kind of do it is just like, it happens to you. But in real life, like it happens to you. And then um, the next day something joyful happens and it doesn't erase it, but it is just, it is part of life. And I think that's the big thing with these kids is that it was just like, yeah, this isn't their first time going through like really crappy, crummy treatment like this Mm -hmm. like all of them have sort of grown up in these environments that would send them to a place like this right so they had a way of compartmentalizing stuff where they would go through a moment it would briefly be very 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 horrific but then it would just be all right we're gonna we're gonna be task focused this is this is how molly deals with stuff this is how molly kind of survived her whole you know childhood <clears throat> and, you know at her father's country club dealing with all his crap there's a whole backstory with her with her with her family which is just super messed up um and it's just like yeah this is how molly deals with things how molly deals with things is she acknowledges it happens and she's like great how can i stab someone enough to get out of here right now. Like she's like on, on a mission to like get out, you know? And then Connor has like, he's, he wants, you know, he's 
he's curious with people. So he is the person who's naturally the detective. He's very curious about what people's stories are, what makes them tick. Um, Darcy's planning to get out of there. Marcos is, you know, the way he deals with things is he goes, okay, well, I'm a, I have to be a protector to the, the young, younger ones. So mm-hmm. however I feel about this, they're more vulnerable. So I'm going to. It doesn't matter right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. I- I think specifically Marcos, you see a lot of his coping mechanisms throughout. Mm. He's literally like multiple times, like walking other characters through like um, compartmentalizing and just being Mm -hmm. like, all right, this is happening. You're getting up now. We're standing up. We're like walking. Like, and it, yeah, it just really was like, okay, he's here. He's helping. Marcos is a beautiful person. I I love him so much. Um, He's like, (laughs) so, you know, He's he's so wonderful. He's just so tall. He's just, it's very much my like tall, short. Um, you know, very very much writing myself into that. Um, I love a tall and a small. Tall and a small. I love that. You know, it's a sass book when there's the tall and a small. It's my next like two books are like the same tall and a small. So hope Is everyone there loves dynamic? that. I we don't need know. more short I've never YA heard of it. boys. I'm tired of tall YA boys. <laughs> Oh, every short kings only. Yeah, yes. exactly. And unless there's like a specific edict, unless I'm like hired to write like Batman or whatever, and even then I'll be like, so Batman Bruce Wayne was five, five seven, so <laughs> is, and Catwoman is like six two, and she yeah, and she mm-hmm. just that's, lifts him. See, that's the thing I want. I'm five like ten, and I need someone who's like six four. <laughs> So I feel it's short. Thing you do, yeah, you need the height. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where with Marcos, I was just like, okay, I wanted this. Per- I, we needed somebody who was not a schemer, who was not like, oh, I've been hiding this. this who was just like the most like truthful about what was going on, even though mm-hmm, he yeah. seems to be the most in the tank with the program. He's like, he's like. Um, yeah, you should really stop freaking out about that because Miss Manners cuts somebody's face every day. So deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be like, he is. You just like, he's like, yeah. well, this is going to happen a lot. So What's new? I know it's like all new and crazy to you, but like this mm-hmm. is, this is, she kind of yeah. does this. Um, and, you know, and he, he really like, you know, goes after Connor because he's like, oh, this kid is going to just like bull in a china shop his way through. He's going to get like so messed up. He doesn't even realize like, where he's where he's at right now um mm-hmm. and so he's like kind of takes it upon himself to like look after the campers but also look after connor and be like you can't just run off and start like rifling through file cabinets or whatever like you have to like come back right now down, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna get there but like and he's got like keys to things and they're trying to get the keys from him and he's just like they'll know it was I, me absolutely no, not. they will know what is me and then where will i be like he's Mm-hmm. really the most grounded person and i think like everybody needs a marcos mm-hmm. yeah it's true truly i think the the one thing too that i forgot to talk about immediately um i like that your book doesn't have like a, a trigger warning per se but it has like the opening like the author's note um mm-hmm. the content warnings um i yeah. think that is something that i've really been enjoying in ya novels recently mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, I think certain things really do need that. Um, especially yeah. with a book like this that like, yes, we are having fun talking about it, but there are things that are very serious in it. Once I wrote the book and send it out into the world, it could do anything to anybody. I, I mm-hmm. like, that's the thing. And I knew that I was like, I'm going to talk about some really hard stuff. There's going to be 
there's going to be moments that are intentionally scary. There's going to be moments that that evoke very clearly stuff that a lot of queer people have gone through in a very horrible way. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm evoking images of Matthew Shepard. There's, there's like, there's tons of stuff here that I knew I was engaging with and I had a responsibility to do that. Um, but I didn't want to just have like a laundry list of like, homophobia, transphobia, um, murder, mayhem, violence, you know, <laughs> hanging, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, there's like, there's all, like, I didn't want to do like the list and have people just be like, Oh, I can't read cigarettes. This. Like, right, this is yeah. A, like, yeah. So that's why I did the author's note up front. Cause I, 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 and I, and I say it in the author's note. Cause I was like, I feel really strongly like we do need to do this. But I was like, I was like, please just let the author like speak on it mm-hmm. rather than just have like this cold list. Yeah. People might like the cold list, you know, that still like serves the function. I'm not trying to say don't do that. But I knew for me, what I wanted to do, I didn't want to just like blankly throw, like I, I had done a prelim like list of things that could be trigger warnings. It was 50 things. So yeah. I was yeah. just like, I was like, it's about, yeah, that. So, mm-hmm. um, what I knew with the authors and what I wanted to do was kind of do, and I kind of liked it being like, well, especially since this was a thriller and I'm asking you to kind of be thrilled rather yeah. than like oppressed by the book mm-hmm. um, is I was like, let's think of this as a Disney world ride. This is a universe. This is a roller coaster. When you go on a thing, like not everybody's down for a roller coaster, mm-hmm. but like, I, I it, like, it would be like, imagine like going to a theme park and like, through this door, there's either a roller coaster, one of those drop rides, um, or there could just be like a little calming boat ride. Like it's a small world. Like mm-hmm. you have to kind of let people know what's what type of thing is that? Because some people yeah. like you can't get me on a drop ride. You can't get me on it unless it's like Tower of Terror. Like you can't get me on like that free fall mm-hmm. thing. Um, you can't get me on looking at just period. I'm that's my that's my one thing. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> that's the thing. I've seen Final Destination. I know how this ends. But- Exactly. Oh, I love like, roller coasters, but yeah. I don't know why I just I always imagine you as not liking a roller coaster, Sophie. I don't yeah. Know. Well, I love like, so coasters. my husband, I love roller coasters and I love Space Mountain. My husband is like, I will go on it just because, like, I love you, but I'm so scared a pipe is going to hit me. Yeah. I know a pipe's yeah. gonna hit me. A pipe is gonna hit me in the dark, and he's just convinced. And so, like when you see like the like the camera flash like picture at the end, it's me just going, yeah, like, and he is just, <laughs> yeah, that would be me. Like, yeah, hurt. like he's just within the within the confines of the, mm-hmm. of the straps. Yeah, so that's what I think with all with with this author's note. What I wanted to just do is be like. Listen. Here's what we're we're in for. Like, here are the safety mm-hmm. precautions we want to go on before we can all have a good thing. Yeah. Like, right. If any of the following things are like so, it's it's going to send you back and talk. Like, if it's anything's going to like potentially do that. Like, but even then, it's like even if that's like, because I've had some people be like, um, yeah. So if you're upset by um, violence against queers, then don't read this. Then maybe skip this book. And I was like, well, like mm-hmm. I'm upset at violence against queers, but yeah. it's not like I think it's a matter of like a nuance are you there. currently <laughs> mentally able to read something without like fully just shutting your entire self down? Right, but it, like, I also like just didn't yeah. like that it implied like. Oh not me, I love it. So we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do this. If now. you're if you're okay with it, I'm then just go ahead and read. It. I'm like, well the thrilling part isn't the it's the it's the 
the uprising, the adventure parts. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So I feel like with that, I feel like with the authors that you, I really was like, I just need to be able to like explain how I'm feeling about this. Yeah. Which is like, we're gonna talk. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about self harm and suicide. The reason it's in the book is because I'm talking about conversion therapy, and I was very committed to talking about it in its entirety and to really see the full effect of what it does to people. And you, I literally could not responsibly tell that story without engaging with suicidality. Right. Um, yeah. So, but I was like, I promise you, it's not the entire book. It does come up. This and that. Like, so I feel like there was a little bit of a. Also, just like kind of a little bit of a, I promise you, I have thought all of this through as much as possible. You were in mm-hmm. really good hands. So yeah. yeah. It's almost like I you like started it. the book with being like, it's okay. I'm here with you. We're going to go on the roller coaster together. I'm not leaving exactly. you by yourself. Like, mm-hmm. this will hit you. It's fine. No pipes. Um, no pipes hit you. No yeah, pipes, I, I mean, promise. <laughs> no it might pipes. look like they're going to hit you, but they're not going to hit you. We've done you the same thing regulations. specifically to come... <laughs> Yeah. really close but mm-hmm. not so yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the thing so I think with that I think also like I really wanted to say I like that that it's um that it's like I'm here with you because that's the thing where I almost like I almost enjoy not spoiling the book but I almost like just saying like kind of like how Romeo and Juliet opens with like Romeo and Juliet are gonna like die <laughs> by All the right, way now these guys we're gonna are start gonna the die. story here we go right. they're about to meet I, I, I want to like start <laughs> yeah like I want to start with the story with like hey, um, Connor and his friends escaped the island alive. Okay, right. in the end of the book. Like, it's just like, having said that, I don't, I can't, I can't promise, like, uh, what conditions they leave. I can't yeah. promise, like, there are other repercussions here to think about. But, like, this is a story about queer victory. I do promise you a happy right. ending. Yeah. There will be a bittersweet moment to it. But, like, you are buying this book because I am literally promising you this is a happy ending book. And mm-hmm. you're going to go through all this stuff, but you should... I, I wanted it to be like if people were really getting kind of like really squicky and uncomfortable throughout for whatever reason, they knew there was like a promise sort of at the end being like, this is not going to just end with all of them getting like buried alive or something like that. Right. Like, yeah. just, this is going to end well for our gang. I would have <laughs> never suggested this book to Sophie if that's like what's going on. <laughs> I wouldn't write it. I wouldn't write it and like yeah. I wouldn't have read it and I, I wouldn't have published it in 2020. Like mm-hmm. or like any I just it's just it's or I wouldn't have published it in YA. I would have like aged it up and there, done a really like like super lithic thing. There was but, a book that I had read. I don't I don't think I have it on my bookshelf. Um because it was the one book and I reference this a lot. It was very well written, but it was about conversion therapy in like a very super duper religious way. And the right book ends with the black character being gunned down by cops because they think that he is going after a girl and it's just like you don't find out until the next chapter when the pov switches to the girl's perspective and she is like a friend in the whole book and she gets the last two chapters and i didn't know what was going on until i like read it fully and i was like i'm mad at the person that told me to read this like i (laughs) i yeah i mean it's it it's hard because it's it's because you do want to like you do want to get folks you do want to like kind of get in with the twist you do want to yeah. like you know also like tell a realistic story like yes this is stuff that's happening like conversion therapy is happening this is all mm-hmm. happening it's important to look at it but it, I think it's also at the end of the day um, I'm not sure what book you're referencing but I would say in general like it is kind of cool to just really understand like if you're gonna go there have a very good reason why 
Yeah. Right? Um, and it better and it better not be to just be like, oh, I'm gonna gag people with like a twist or, yeah. or something. And I don't think that's like what was happening in that book, but I think it was just so right. jarring to me because it I I don't remember there being any kind of warning in that book. Um and it just like right. I think because I was so in depth in the YA, it's like there's happy endings, regardless of what happens. Yeah, uh. I mean, and, and that is something that I mean, that is something that you know I will say like that is something that Surrender Your Sons is engaging with. It's engaging mm-hmm. with like this is a YA book that exists in a world of happy queer YA books, mm-hmm. um, and and here is like it's not always that, yeah. um, and here's why that's important. Because it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, it's very important. It's important to see. And this is why it's hopeful for Connor. But also, like, this is why it's not a panacea. It's not solving all these queer people's problems. Um, Mm -hmm. And here's why you do need to also see, like, you need to see Connor. You need to see Marcos. These are people that are, like, if you insist upon only happy queer way, these are people you're not seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. You know, it's, it's, and that was something where, um, more than any other reason I wanted to see, I wanted to write this book is I was like, I needed to write about kids who were, um, who were at, potentially at risk for not being seen yeah. or having their lives sort of be not erased. Erased is a strong word, but like, it, it was like, well, if you only insist on this type of tone, what you're doing is like further isolating um, someone who is going through that. And you're also mm-hmm. making it seem like, um, you know, as something that, you know, as Becky Albertalli has been like engaging with a lot, unfortunately this summer, which is just like, yeah, it's, I mean, coming out is not simple for anybody. Yeah. Um, and um, there's a lot you're playing with and to, and to engage with it in this sort of way, a one size fits all way, or thinking you kind of know everybody's situation. There, there's a hundred million things at play, most mm-hmm. of which is just like someone's own comfort level. Yeah. Um, um, and that's something that's just incredibly, incredibly important for people to talk about right now and realize is that, um, y- I mean, yeah, that's another reason why Surrender Your Sons like has a cover that is not like boys holding hands or girls holding hands, um, is that this is not like, like a, a closeted queer person or someone who is out, but like uncomfortable reading like such a book in public, they would like, you know, people, uh, unless it's, a, unless it becomes a super famous, super well-known, um, that's that gay book. Um, then, you know, someone could read it in sort of peace and quiet in public yeah. if they wanted mm-hmm. to, if they needed to. I had that conversation with Zach Smedley too about his book. Cause I complimented the like fluorescent color that it is. Oh, he and I both, yeah, have like sunshine colors. Oh no, it's dark book. <laughs> sunshine book. <laughs> Guess what's going on? <laughs> it's like, ooh, this 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 book looks like sherbet. Oh no, I'm sad. It's yeah. poison. <laughs> um, it's actually this isn't tasty at all. Yeah. It's poison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was like an interesting conversation because I've never really thought about that because I guess like. As a, a a very adult man, um, I guess that like. I feel as though I can like go out with, I don't know, any of these. Uh, You know, like, I mean, you could, yeah, you're like, you could, you know. The gravity of us, because there's boys holding hands. I was like, which book? No, I mean, and Phil and I, you know, we were, we we text every day. Like there's, Mm -hmm. I mean, with that's something where he is very aware of like 
of that. And so that's something where, you know, that was a kind of the conscious choice he wanted to make because he said, yes, um, I'm very aware of, you know, that, you know, but I think there's, there's a time and place for everything, but for gravity mm-hmm. of us, he just, it was very, very important to him, yeah. um, that there be on, on cover, um, you know, male, male in- intimacy, which is like, you know, work right on. Like, that's the sort of mm-hmm. thing, but I knew that like, because his book is, is not engaging really with closetedness at all. Yeah. Um, so that sort of made a little bit more sense. Um, and then I knew mine was just going to be like, if it was going to find the people that I wanted it to find, it was going to find everybody who needed this book to be super, you know, um, undercover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that you don't think about too. And even like looking at it too, when you're like looking at the ink blobs, like yeah. I, I remember looking at this, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. It's like a, a um, um, a Rorschach. Is, is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then like seeing it in person, I'm like, Oh yes, there are people running. There's like the, the, the fronds. Um, it's, it's really interesting. It's a, and it, it's Jake Norby did such a gorgeous cover design on this. He's like just such a wonderful person, um, and designer. And it's funny, like my dad, um, just the other day was like, there's people running on that cover. And I was like, you have been living with copies and copies and copies of this book in your home. We even have like a giant, like a frame poster. And I was like, you didn't notice the, like, I can see if it's like, Ooh, it's small or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it was like a giant poster, but like my like five-year-old niece, like saw the book in the, you know, in the back seat, And she was like, I oh, just like, oh, there's people running. And he was like, get out of here. You know what you're talking about. And um, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, sure, little girl. Sure, there are people running. And wild imagination. Whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, just proof. Uh, it was like baby's first proving some man wrong. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm glad for her. Good for her. It's what she deserves. It was a, that was a wonderful moment. No, mm-hmm. she's, I love my niece so much. She has these neighbor boys. She's like, um, I call them the it gang because like, it's just like her and then like seven boys. Um, and they all like meet in like a garage and they're all just like hatching over stuff. And I was like, you all are going to kill some clown. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's like huge, huge, huge Moana stan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she was like, she was like talking about like. Um, the Rock. <laughs> she was like talking about yeah she was like anyway she was like gushing about moana and like some some one of the boys was just like oh, i don't like moana moana's like really you know dumb and bad uh and then she just like paused and she just went anyway so the thing i like about moana is like and she just went on and i was like <laughs> yes <laughs> that's funny yeah. anyway the thing that yeah, i love about moana <laughs> yeah my god <laughs> She really just was not bothered. That's funny. The thing I love about like, Sarah Peterson. Maybe, maybe I don't um, like it. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, oh, I want that confidence. I would, I would have, like, when I was her age, I would have fully been like, yeah, maybe it is bad. Maybe it is. Maybe it's oh, awful. I hate right. it. It was yeah, a trick. I just never watch it again for ten years. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna burn my house down because I hate Moana. <laughs> Because there's a copy of Moana in there's it. There's a copy of Moana in there. Somewhere. I have to get rid of it. I mean, what movie do you like? That way, I'll say that's my favorite, and then I'll. Watch uh, that you one, tell me what you like. like. You tell you add the group. You tell the group. Yeah. Uh, and the Marie Antoinette movie was <laughs> good. Good. Bad. Funny. Scary. <laughs> um. Yeah. She has. She has no um drive to be liked by anyone, and it's really beautiful to see. Um, good for her. I wish I could be like that. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to harness that energy, and she just started kindergarten, so I'm just like, just keep that up. Don't let school 
Drive it out of yes. you. Mm-hmm. Don't let right. shitty teachers ruin Don't let the man get you down. The man, I am, yeah, I am all for it. But, um, yeah, I took her to a spooky um, abandoned Wizard of Oz theme park the other day. We were in North Ooh. Carolina. There, look it up. It's abandoned. Um, it's, it was, it's called the Land of Oz, and it's in North Carolina. Uh-huh. In It was created in 1970, and it was, like, a two years before Disney World opened, so it was, like, the theme park on the eastern seaboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Debbie Reynolds and, and, like, a 12-year-old Carrie Fisher, like, cut the ribbon at the at the opening oh of the park. God. And it was amazing. And I, like, so they it's said, so like, cute. and I, they said Carrie Fisher, and I was like, uh, I can't about Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds again. My queens! I'm going to go watch Halloween Town BRB. <laughs> oh, please do it. Please do it. No, it was beautiful. Um... And it was so normally, uh, so like basically TLDR, like it's in the seventies, they made this like full, like, like theme park, like every like scene, like they've like themed Kansas house themed. Um, now you go through the cyclone. Now you exit into Munchkinland. Then you are in, um, you know, then you go to the witch's castle. Then there's the Emerald city. They had this huge Emerald city and they had a big show and da, da, da. And then um, like in the eighties, they got taken over by some, 80s person i don't know and they <laughs> 80s were man. like money less <laughs> less quality more money and mm-hmm. then it just became crappy and then nobody went there and it shut down and then there was a mysterious fire and the emerald city burned down completely and the bust of judy garland that was made was stolen mysterious there's like a few mysteries there so um, you have the bust is so your you're next talking? book i have the bust <laughs> oh, i'm I, I literally was like taking pictures and i was like this is gonna be in the book um and uh they had all this memorabilia so so then um like all good things uh was revived in the last decade so they Mm -hmm. refurbished it so it was left abandoned forever they refurbished it and then now they're starting to do like twice a year they open it um it used to be year round so twice Mm -hmm. a year they open it for like a week and people flood in um except for now and they so they do like face characters and this and that it was gorgeous now, because of the Rona, um, it's, like, abandoned again. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. no face characters, but they're doing private tours just for, like, you and your family. They do it, like, in half an hour blocks. So we went there, and we got this private tour. And so it had major, because it was all abandoned and no characters, nothing. Just mm-hmm. this, like, sort of rotted yellow brick road. It had very Return to Oz vibes. It was Ooh. very, it had, like, spooky and something and cool used to be here, but now something bad happened, and then now they're gone. Um, and so, and like full of heads. Oh <laughs> yes, I. So and so, my niece is like five, and she's already seen like Wizard of Oz a million times, and mm-hmm. she's seen like Return to Oz twice. So she's already like very familiar. Um, and it was funny we brought up Return to Oz on the thing, and I was like, oh, I was like, Charlotte seems like Return to Oz. And she was like, yes, definitely Return to Oz. And like the tour guide was like. Literally, I mentioned Return to Oz on this tour every time. No one knows what I'm talking about every time. <gasps> and he was, and like, yeah. And so he was, he was like, yeah, we're thinking of like adding like a lunch pail tree here, Aww. like to be the thing. And Charlotte was like, you gotta do that. You gotta <laughs> make that lunch pail tree. Oh my God, the lunch pail tree. Like, so made her whole thing. So she's, um, I, mean, I love that much, much ado about that story, but like it's uh, <laughs> there's pictures of um, Debbie Reynolds everywhere. They showed us the um, there's like a, a hot air balloon, like kind of like 1960s New York World's Fair, like kind of 
like mm-hmm. rot where it's like this was the wizard of oz balloon where he lifts off at the end mm-hmm. but it was like left and now it's just like a wire cage and oh, they were like terrifying. yeah carrie fisher way back when like got like stuck up there and she freaked out and, <laughs> I can't and, imagine I like, and i was just like and i was like I, I was like i was like 13 year old carrie fisher upset like <laughs> in, this, in this balloon yeah it was just like Aww. it was i felt so fortunate to, uh, really thriving to, in that moment. Oh I was thriving. I was living, and you could, I, yeah. And and the and the and the the tour guide was family, so I was definitely like not family, but it was like wink, wink, family. Yeah, um, he had some. He had mm. some nice like sparkly uh, ruby slipper um, sneakers. Um, it was just like literally the best, and so right away it was just, it was just like coming home. It was great. Yeah, I love that. Um, I did promise Sophie that she could ask you uh, Buffy-related questions. (laughs) (laughs) I kept, like, bribing her. I'm like, there's Buffy questions. Uh, I I know nothing about Buffy. I'm that gay. Please don't look me in my eyes. I will not be answering questions at this time. could talk about Buffy for literary hours. I say good because now... Like when you do, it's a gift to be able yeah. to watch like it for the first time, really, and to not know like the twists and turns. I've only ever seen the episode where um, the mom dies. Someone was watching that, and I walked. Why? In and I was like, Why What's is going that a thing? Why what? is that what? a thing? What? I so many people, so many people <laughs> that I have like talked to in the last couple of years because I've just gotten, I've like been rewatching and gotten like deep. Some people are like, well, the first episode of Buffy I ever watched was The Body or like Tabula Rasa. I'm like, why would you? Or Hush. I'm like, why would you start with literally any of those episodes? There's so much character development. You don't know my brain. Oh, yeah. Like, how are you supposed to emotionally attach to that? Because, like, you're supposed to have five seasons of, like, it's so... Um, Brennan, you did it wrong. So... (laughs) What we're going to do is we're going to start from season one, episode one, and we're watching season one. I would love that. Season one is bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I love season one. It's perfect. But it's so good. I hate it's great. It. Some it's people like, are like, like skip it. Skip it. You can't. You are you so many people. Just, there's so much you're gonna like miss. Don't skip any episode. Okay, so my Buffy is Desperate Housewives because I'm a monster. Um, <laughs> and um, Kyle um, McLaughlin. Kyle um, McSomething. Um, yeah, so yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I, I forget his last name. <laughs> about Twin Peaks for 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm for sorry. You to be like, Kyle McSomething. So, um, there's a nude scene with him multiple times in one of the episodes I just watched. And I was like, how did I was in a fugue state when I watched this? Because I do not remember this. And it's like that's full a, on a cake a, is blocking his penis. And I'm like, real. Oh. <laughs> like, see, that's like Desperate Housewives sort of. 2000s yeah. ABC romp stuff they would do they'd be Which like oh, would never a... ever happen now like oh, ugly buddy would like, not this have is us now. doing like ooh what if we yeah, yeah no it's just like oh <laughs> yeah, my god a, he's standing right behind this <laughs> when we so accidentally wound up at a nude beach and that happened a lot while we were there. What an accident. Like, you it was look amazing. over it's you great. look over and it's like there's a can just blocking someone's like butt it was like perfectly placed umbrellas. It was just like huh. someone happened to walk by with a very large sun hat, just as like a man was standing up. It was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. I don't, I don't like. This is where I. This is where I release um, stamp for uh, uh, David Sedaris's naked. If you haven't read that, but it's mm-hmm. like it's his it, his essays are always great. But like w- within that, 
um, mm-hmm. naked book is like, he's basically like, yeah, I decided to like, just go to this nudist colony for like a bit, just to like, just to see what it was about. Like he wasn't interested. He was just like, he was just like, I find these people fascinating. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to go. And he was like, you just get so bored with nakedness so quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just like, people are just walking around being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, you just like start to just, it doesn't become this like thing you anymore. Like, You're just like, to it. <laughs> If you will. You really do. You really yeah. just get a little like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's like how I felt because we went because it was like the parking lot was the most empty at Sandy Hook. We were looking for one that was like the most empty to go to. And we were like, Gunnarsson, why does this sound familiar? And then as we got up, we were like, oh, this is the nude beach. Oops. This is the nude beach. <laughs> and it ended up being like the best thing that could have possibly happened. The it nicest beach. Truly. So the cool. nicest beach, the nicest people, the body positivity was like off the mm-hmm. charts. Like everyone, after we left, everyone was thriving. We were all yeah. like, it was amazing. I'm a yes. big, I'm a big like mind your business kind of thing. I'm just like, sure. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one cared. No one cared. No one yeah. was staring. No one was like looking at anyone. Everyone no. was just like doing their own thing. Thanks, yeah. yeah. I would not because I'm very like I just like I just think clothes are cute. I just like wearing clothes. I just know well, I, yeah, I, can. I Yeah. As a man who wears speedo, a speedo like, to the I'm beach. Wear it, but... Um I also really adore clothing. <laughs> it's like a thing I, really as a man who wears the the bare minimum. Yeah, honestly, the I smallest will, underwear. That's the thing. I so that's the thing. Like I I you know, I wouldn't go like full, but I I I just love like I'm I am wearing basically my favorite like this if you were making like an action figure of me, like I do wear like kind of a cutoff tank, um, which is another OV Connor thing. Um <laughs> and and then like <laughs> shorts with like a you know, five, six inch inseam. So I, that's like my way to do things. I, I just that. feel like I saw a picture of yeah. you with Ryan Lasala and you were wearing. Oh, I was at, I was at book expo, met Ryan and he's like in full, like boots, 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 boots. And I am wearing sh- the shorter shorts mm-hmm. and, um, and like a jean jacket, like a long jean jacket over it. It was very chaotic. Um, I think you had flip flops on. I love that. I had flip flops on. Yeah. So it was very oh much God. like we were, we were joking that it was like, we're like the legs of YA. Like we're, it's like every time there's a, speaking of Debbie Reynolds, that was, that was like um, in, in nineties SNL, that was something that Molly Shannon and, and Sherry O'Terry did as they did. Um, it was like, it was called like leg up or something. And it was like Debbie Reynolds and like this other old Hollywood, like Ann Miller who were like back in the day, like, all about like legs let's show our legs off and that was that was really how we were doing i have oh bless you <laughs> speaking of oh. snl i've had to show my coworker who is 22 now um sweater weather because i, I reference that a lot and she's like you keep saying sweater, sweater weather to me and i'm like you mean sweater weather and she's sweater like weather. sure weather. what is that about <laughs> No. See, that's my okay. So here's why I take umbrage with people being like, I don't know. It's like I'm just like so young. I just don't even get that. I'm just young. I'm just I don't understand. Like I'm just young. Um, is because I was like, um, when I was like in high school, I was like, yeah, yeah. Here's this movie from 40 years ago. Here's this TV show right. from mm-hmm. 40, from 30 years ago. Yeah, like I, I don't think I ever even once was like I just like I'm so young, I just like don't know that. I was like, just don't yeah, cool. That. Let's hear more about it. Let's like let's just jump in. I feel like people yeah. love to do that. I was like, 
I actually love to know. I I'd rather know than like yeah. be like not knowing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like I'm like, well, there's there is a thing where you are able to like be aware of something that happened before the year of your birth. It's possible. But like I, I can understand like not getting a new thing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're just like so about your old stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you mean I'm nobody's re-watching. talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I can't. I mean, we're, this is how it happens. You do just at a certain point just be like, Yeah, you know, I just I've had just like a hard year. I'm just gonna like rewatch my old like comfort stuff and then like cut to seven years later and you're just watching still that. Watching stuff. And you, I'm and still you're like, watching Gossip Girl and Guess like, Housewives and wondering why Pretty Little Liars hasn't come back for the next season. Well, yeah. And then you're <laughs> like then you're then you're asking like the hundred has six seasons and it's over. When did that happen? I just yeah. saw a billboard saying it was a new show. And <laughs> no, there was, was only like, three. I think it stopped after season three. I think oh, it was think over so. after season three. Are you yeah. sure? I think they, it, it they were just like, so like they were like, it's over. They were like, what if it was done? <laughs> what if this was <laughs> over? <laughs> what if this I think was that's over? that's when it was over. I think. Um, <laughs> um, I don't have like any other like poignant questions. I feel like no. Yeah, I, I don't have, have any either. Um, I feel like we have given you much um, content to cut through and edit and to find edit what is relevant it. or not. Mm-hmm. I think you have an editing job ahead of you. Um, um, this is going to be so much... Not to drag Adam... Adam, wow, you're right in front of me. Not to drag Ryan. <laughs> um, the editing that I had to do for that episode because of us, because we're say, monsters. We got off course... Real we fast, introduced real him to something called troll beads because I was like, "Oh, <laughs> is is Posey's bracelet just like troll beads?" And he was like, "What are troll beads?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, they're these like really incredibly fucked up like charm bracelets." And he, for like twenty to forty minutes, was looking at the website with us on like while we're talking to him, just oh, like losing it. his mind. And there are more dogs happening in the background, and it more just like dog- got really chaotic. <laughs> I am so and, excited to hear what this is even going to be. This 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 final thing, I can't wait for like the long like abandoned return to us theme part. If you're even leaving that in, um, oh, yeah, part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we gotta. Leave. We're mentioning Debbie Reynolds, so we do have to leave it in. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, I'm 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 happy to, at once again, be neck and neck with Ryan Lasalle on something. I feel like we're both. I'm so glad we have like a fake little competition. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I we have, have like no weird... idea how that episode happened this year. No, that happened this year? What? Yeah, it did. No. You want no, to know why I know? Because December. Red, White, and Royal Blue on my bookshelf. This is why I keep my books in order of when I've read them. Red, White, and Royal Blue is right next to Reverie. And Red, White, oh. and Royal Blue was this year for no. us. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I know. Well, Reverie came out just before Christmas, though. Mm-hmm. We got to we interview read it him. a little late, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. We, it was like our first one of our first books of the year you could just say it was hard to get through you could just say it was hard (laughs) no because i I said to phil stamper (laughs) in a scene in one of the books like i felt bad for a character because what he was going through was hard and the way that i phrased it was this was hard to read (laughs) and he was like we just made fun of you for 10 minutes yeah and he was like do you want to we're trying to give you a way up brendan do you want to explain that (laughs) do you want to explain (laughs) you want to like Expand on and that. And now, anytime something bad happens to Phil, I'm like, I need to defend him. 
He needs to know how much I love him. Speaking of red, white, and royal blue, I was at, like, I was literally, I was in, like, high country in North Carolina at this abandoned, like, Oz Park. Like, Mm -hmm. literally, we, you had to go to the summit of, like, the, the, one of the tallest, like, mountains, like, Mm -hmm. up there. And we were, like, at a chalet. And I'm telling you, this was, like, God's own country area. Um, And then we were... (laughs) And it was scary. It was a little scary. And then we, like, we stopped in the restroom, like, in this, mm-hmm. like, visitor center. And they had a little, like, take a book, leave a book library. And, like, Red, White, and Royal Blue was just sitting on top. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, hon, where did you come from? <laughs> and then, like, and then, like, our tour guide showed up. And I was like, oh, I was you. Yeah, I was you. Queen, you left your book here. I was like, who the clues? I'm a, I'm Yeah. Hey, Queen, you dropped this. like, yeah, honestly. not that not that red, 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 does not much, deserve to be um, in every corner of this country, but yeah. I was a little gag because it was like World War II books, like dad books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a book with that much masturba- masturbation between um, a first son and a prince oh, God, should not God, be enough. Yeah, okay. <laughs> My gosh, just a casual oh, yeah. read. Yeah, just, 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 just like you know, <laughs> just dudes. That's one of those things off. where I keep forgetting that book is not YA. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, I thought it was. So when we got to those points, I was like... Because the cover is supposed to trick you. Yeah. That's how I believe it. That cover is designed to trick and trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Casey... Uh, really, in a good way. I applaud. I applaud. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, you're in for the greatest game. <laughs> right. It's great. Oh, yeah. man. All right. Well, I feel like we have to let you go. Because we've we had you for like... <laughs> Two, two hours. Two and a half we hours. We could keep talking forever. I think, yeah. I think if we just didn't stop ourselves, we would keep going. We yeah. did not know. And I do have to tell my um, husband that he can breathe, resume his phone <laughs> call. Talk again? I was like, I was like, will you, I was like, will you, damn it. Um, Honey, I but, love you, but shut the no. fuck He's just sitting quietly. Honey, I love you, but like, you're shouldn't. yelling. Do you need to yell? Or can you have this conversation like, is this like a person? thing that can be done later? Is screaming like important? <laughs> we all just become Alexis from Shit's Creek. <laughs> I, I love, love that for you. It's like my wow. friend Kathleen got me an EO David cup for my birthday, and honestly, I have Amazing. never been it's more perfect. blessed. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great because like one of my closest friends is David, and I'm just always just like, mm. no, David. Every every reaction gift is just like, okay, yikes. Um, <laughs> that is how I like to live. Like that's the thing. I, I don't see myself in David at all, but no. like, I do super see myself with Alexis. Yeah, where it's very much just like I'm every trying to never get starts off is like, oh yeah, I'm David, and then the show goes, and they're like, oh god, I'm Alexis. This is even better. Because well, I mean, anybody who's on Twitter is an Alexis because it's yeah. very much just like you're super plugged in. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think my I think my husband is probably like David because he would do the like game night mm-hmm. the way David did the game night in season one. But yeah. um, <laughs> very sort of like just, a queer guy thing. I've been I'm watching it for the first time with my girlfriend and anytime David does anything that's like gently to David she just looks at me and she's just like huh yeah <laughs> Sophie and I just is like really kind of curl David. up in a ball yeah <laughs> oops well, I, th- I, th- I feel like that, is a, that it's an interesting sociological experiment because I feel like there's so much of I, th- I just think I think it's like it's a, it's a fallacy to be like oh yeah gay guys are, are David I just think it's immediately just gotta go to Alexis because yeah um, Alexis has like all the hot guy friends mm-hmm. and um 
is just sort of lightly amused by everything going on, but lightly mm-hmm. horrified as well. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. great. It's how I like to live my life. And she's the one that's like, cry. David, you have to yeah. come to this party. Right. So he's like, Brendan, no, <laughs> right. I don't want to. I don't, I really don't. <laughs> I really <laughs> Unless we not. have like organized amounts of time where we're doing and everyone gets here on time and we do the thing I set up to do as I meant to do it. <laughs> You you have to you have a you have to have a lot of like misplaced enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> All day. Oh man. Um, uh, Adam, it was so fun having you here. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you mm. so much. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Love the super lit duo. Mm. Thank okay. you for loving us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> honestly like oh, again i i feel like i say this every author we talk to but like we're like a wildly very indie podcast and like having people that have like really amazing books come out um it's just like oh my god you want to talk on to the shelves <laughs> yeah right oh wow oh, listen, I, it's 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 one of those people like i don't know it's just like fun i just i i measure things and like is it fun because like this is one of those things where like this is this is for me like publishing this book has been so got damn stressful and mm-hmm. um time consuming and life altering and life consuming like there's been great stuff mm-hmm. but um for anybody's like looking to publish a book like it's just like it is a oh it is it is pulling a stone up a hill sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but the moments that are like super super fun are getting to like jump on with like really fun enthusiastic folks and getting to talk about it and that's the that's the fun of the thing otherwise it would just be like like worse than job it would just be like um uh, i know it sounds like i'm like crapping on like the entire industry (laughs) or whatever but it's just it's just the nature of it because like Mm -hmm. being an author at all like as a debut like there's so much to worry about so much is new you're really like your you know your agent like is really helpful at like explaining um the ins and outs of it to you um and calming your fears but also like they have a life and they literally are not your therapist so um yeah (laughs) <laughs> they do need like time off, you know, and it's something with like my agent, like he's such a sweetheart. And then, but like, he does like, you know, he openly is like, I, I need to set boundaries better. Cause I'm just like, he's such a giving, like open mm-hmm. available person. Mm-hmm. And he does like, you know, that's the thing. So I'm always like very aware of like, not asking too many questions. That's why, that's why I'm like become friends with like everybody because, and that's the thing where like, whether it's like, like you say you're like the super indie podcast, but like this is a super indie book. Like this isn't like this is this is like you know, Flux is like super, super great, but you know, we're 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 like scrappy indie indie like book at a at a scrappy indie publisher. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really um they've been like truly amazing and I feel like they take the most risks and you know and just anybody who's ever like we would like to set aside time and like talk to you about your like uh, trauma humor book. Um, I'd be like, okay, sure. <laughs> like, Are you yes, please, talk please. Sure. please. Like, I'm just like, that's the thing. I, I, I'm always expecting like the next time I do like a, a thing to be the last. So, because I feel so fortunate that this even happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fully expecting to have to shelve this book and just be like, listen, you were like a really super weirdo thing. Um, you know, you'll get it right the next time. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it even exists and is like in people's homes and hands right now is just like not even a dream come true. It's like, it's literally just like a, it's like a full illusion to me. Like it just is, is 
so wonderful. And just the fact that people are wanting to talk about it at all mm. is, um, I know this sounds like I have like no self-esteem, <laughs> but I'm just like, just the fact that like, nobody's like coming to my house and like punching me because I wrote this book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just, that means everything. Um, but um, no, it's true. Like, I just think there's a lot of gratitude to be had and I'm excited for, for future books now that I kind of have like, Literally, I feel like made a whole bunch of mistakes, and now I can learn from those mistakes and um, and all that. But um, no, no, I'm 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 always so jacked to come on this podcast. So. Yay! Yeah, I honestly, we yeah. we would love to have you on any time. You yeah, got listen, a let's you got a poem it. to talk about? Ah, come poem. on, on. Yeah, no, I mean, like I I don't have anything. Um, Stuff is in the works, but there's nothing really to announce at all mm-hmm. um, yet. Because you know me, if there was something to announce, I'd be like, "All right, everybody, um, <laughs> January fifth, yeah, <laughs> get those countdowns going." Yeah. Like, I just <laughs> like, like yeah. I am like begging my team at all times. I'm like, "Okay, can I announce this? Can I tease it? Can I tease it again?" I do this um, thing. Well, you haven't written it yet, but can I do it? <laughs> but can I do it? Can I talk yeah. about it? <laughs> Yeah, and so, yeah, I have all my friends rag me and just be like, oh, yeah, you really should just, like, actually finish that thing you talked about on Twitter. Oh, and I'm like, well, don't first do all, that. I was like, well, then they- well, first of all, no. Rude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, no, when, when there is something to talk about again, happy to, happy to hop on. Yes. Um, we, we're hoping for our 69th episode. Um, I know, right? We're, <laughs> how we're anywhere near that is just, like, bonkers to me. But I mean, Yeah, I think, like, it's This great... isn't, like, episode one? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is episode one like... of one. <laughs> no, this is, like, Buffy, that, where they're, like, okay, um, they're, like, skip those first 68 when they, when they get Adam Sass, and that's when it, like, really starts. Yeah, like, this is when yeah. it pops <laughs> off. So you should just skip the first four and a half seasons. It's just fine. You don't Ryan need to watch it. It's like, you don't whatever. need it. You'll like understand the characters. Like it'll have the same emotional impact. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot stand that people say skip season one. That's ridiculous. I lose my. Like, nothing makes me angrier faster. That? that doesn't make sense to me. Some if of my favorite like, episodes are in season two. one. I know yeah. I'm a completist, but it's like that's the season where it's at its most like goofy humor like it works like or it's like it's like characters are discovering each other and like Mm -hmm. oh it's so great I feel like you're saying that like you're you're saying yeah like you know like you watch the episode (laughs) don't be like like, yeah that's that's the point of it like (laughs) I was like you're not part of this no but like I understand I feel like any tv show where it's like if they're like oh skip season one season two is better it's like do you mean skip season two like I can understand that people say that with um Sex in the City skip season one, but mm-hmm. um, oh my God, I think remember that, when they would interview people like during even the, the first like, episode. <laughs> I feel like the especially street, that like show it. is yeah, like skip the, all seasons. The reason you watch no. that show now is because the fashion is like even more far gone than it was. Before. Oh my God! And it was like bonkers fashion. Season like, one, it has to be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> anything with Cynthia Nixon in it, I will watch. Yeah. Anyway, I, which I is all it. of two I things. love a good. I love a good time capsule. Oh yeah. yeah. Show. You skip like, season one of Buffy. You're missing so many bucket hats. You're missing all of like Willow's overall look. Uh, what about like, the red leather jackets? Are they constant? That that is like a little bit later. No, but, they 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 kind of keep Buffy in like um, cute cute stuff. She wears um, like she's very like yeah high oh, like she's baby to be bangs little clips. Yeah, you missed like the whole the cheerleader episode is in season one. Yeah, they're giving her like all the all the all the like 
all the like like teeny bopper like bubblegum looks in season mm-hmm. one and then in season two um when they get a bit of a budge they <laughs> um expand <laughs> their wardrobe yeah um and obviously at that point in season two like sarah michelle Geller is like a thing so she's mm-hmm. got a stylist at some point you can tell at, at what point in the season in, in what point in which season um mm-hmm. the lead actor got a stylist um, yep. she was in a movie with the rock and justin timberlake and she's a porn star in it. Yes, who's like running um, for Congress or something. Southland Tales. Yeah. Um, um, can someone explain that movie to me another yeah, time? I, but I like, have not seen it, so I cannot. But um, uh, if you want to bake your own brain, go ahead and watch it. Oh my god! Oh, there's so a there's like, a there's a, there's a, a a line that's like pimps don't kill themselves or like pimps don't commit suicide, and I'm like, Justin Timberlake, that we was, didn't need that. That was the Donnie Darko's like follow up. It was. Yeah, yeah, which was definitely, like, you can fall in love. That's why I'm always, like, scared. When I'm writing a new one, I'm always, like, scared to just be, like, okay, well, I want to make sure I'm not, like, falling in love with my own Mm -hmm. voice so much. That, like, it's, like, who would care? I have always really liked artists' second albums. Mm. Um, I always find that they just hit different because they pick like a theme from the first album and they're like, okay, this worked yeah. really well and we loved it. So we're going to make a whole album. Like for me, mm-hmm. Marina and the Diamonds, Electra Heart. Right. That's it. Um, so I, you're That's in luck because uh, a friend of mine who is, who is reading the first hundred pages of my follow-up thriller mm-hmm. right now, I really, I only, I only have like a hundred pages written, but mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, he, he literally was like, he was like, oh, so this is going to be your like dirty album. Um, I was like, I was like, thank you for saying that. Okay, amazing. The yeah, yeah, the gasp. Yeah, so like, yeah, S- yeah. S Y S is really like Genie in a Bottle. Um, and uh, in fact, like Genie in a Bottle is that that was another cut moment from the book, which I was really like sad about because Briggs had a whole like flashback scene when he was a camper there. Um, because he was a camper during that like. Christina, like, beginning era. Yeah. And where, that's a very, like, triggering song for him. You write a fan fiction for us? I guess that would be I know, I do. Well, so this point. is all stuff that, like, if it ever becomes, like, a movie or a TV show, it's all getting, like, put in. I need, like, um, a Raven, that, like, the flashback. Where she's Why? Like, <gasps> because this was, like, a, this was, like, a moment that I pulled from my own life where there was this, like, camp, there was, like, this counselor who was, like, really, like, because it was, I was at camp when Jeannie Bottle came out and was, like, on the charts. And, um... And he was, like, so mad that, like, he was getting played. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, like, a visiting camp. This wasn't the main camp. My camp was, like, great. But there was, like, a more religious-y camp coming in. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, so mad at us for listening to that song because he was, like, it promotes prostitution and it promotes, like, like witchcraft because the genie and shit. Oh, mm-hmm. um, and I was, like, well, which sure. one is it? Like, <laughs> is it witchcraft or is it, like, prostitute? And he's, like, it's a witch prostitute. <laughs> like, so... And it's one of those things Amazing. where, like, it's... Um, like, I, 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 I had a moment where, like, when Briggs was a camper, like, that was sort of, like, he gets kind of, like, told off for, like, that. And then, like, he, like, literally hears, like, Drew playing it at some point, And he's just, like, fucking goes into this other place. Um, oh, my God. And it's just, like, we're going to turn it off right now. Like, it's just, like, it's really, like, how these songs can, like, take you back to this place that is happier and especially if you're in like a really shitball place mm-hmm. it, like a happy membrane can be triggering because you're like oh yeah. that part of me is done 
Drew um, would be listening to Genie in a Bottle. Genie, yeah, that's the thing, like, because it's all cyclical. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm listening to that. So Genie in a Bottle is like definitely. Um, I always equate it to the way it is, but um, no, my my follow up book, which is um, and this we won't hear this part, but no. um, it's um, it hasn't it hasn't it hasn't sold, but it's called Deary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you saw me pitching this, Brendan, but um, on Twitter, but it was a bit, it was during the summer. And, um, this is the, um, it's the, uh, like gays on the run one. So they're, they're, they're it's two gay, gay best friends mm-hmm. who get like framed for murder, but like, they're so rotted. Everyone's like, well, of course they did it. <laughs> so like, no one believes them. And <laughs> so, like, so it's these like two best friends who are just like framed for it would be it would be like in Scream if like Billy and Stu weren't the killer, but everyone mm-hmm. was just like, well, of course it was those two. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Um, and like they just couldn't convince people otherwise. I feel like I did see you like tweeting about that. It got pretty. It got pretty virale. Um, <laughs> but um, I because I'd already I was already working on it. Mm-hmm. But it was like it was one of those things where I was like I wanted to do like a wrongfully accused like a wrong like a like a like a fugitive kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. So it is. So yeah. So it's like gay, gay um, best friends who are not boyfriends. They have to keep correcting people on the whole book. Like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I, I relate to that. that. Yeah, little... they're just like we're not. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. Like my main character, like Deary, he's just he was just like he's like li- he's like the less popular one, and so like he's just he's just like I know you probably think like I I do want to like be your boyfriend, but like literally would rather just drink bleach. Like so that's James and I. Like, I <laughs> I have I literally would not a very good friend named James and like people would be like oh you guys are dating right and we're like no <laughs> we just really love each other like he's my friend stop <laughs> it's just so funny because like these two I love them so much um but it's one of those things where like they have, they have such an image problem where like people keep because it's one of those things where like I call it kind of like it's a little clueless as well so it's like imagine mm-hmm. like Sharon Dion but like they're like best friends like but it's like they're gay guys but it would just be like they're 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 very like rich and popular like gay so everyone is just like everybody has their like ideas about them and they can't like it's just they're like oh you're these gay guys you're gonna you're oh you're boyfriends and they're like we're not like they have to keep like correcting people about everything it gets so it gets to the point where they're like oh well you you're murderers and they're like we're we didn't do the thing like so um, yeah yeah, but it's it's i'm interested to see how editors like it because um i kind of go there a little bit in surrender your sons but it had like sort of the protection of like it's an important story but like Mm -hmm. these are like gay guys who are not like the greatest people Mm -hmm. like it's it's like it would be like it's like it's like a dark comedy and like really like they give ya characters in general like no latitude to be like a little like teen fuck-ups yeah, right. but especially like queer teens have to just be like you're perfect. a role model, and you better be yeah. like perfect at <laughs> sunshine like, boys. Yeah, you better be like <laughs> cinnamon bun, um, which fine, like love it um, mm-hmm. for other folks. But like, I was just like, I really want. I was like, with this book, I'm like, I want to write like how I talk to my friends, which is just super, super rotted. And the more rotted we are to each other, the m- like the deeper that bond like truly is like uh-huh. it, like like the the meanest thing i could do to one of my friends right now is to just like tell him something super genuine and like levy he'd just be like why are you being mean to me like he would really be like upset that i would go there 
So, and just kind of like how like gay friends like kind of communicate, that's really kind of what the book is about. But mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, that is what I'm worried about because it's not like, cause they're just, I got so many notes about just like, well, that seems like mean of him to say, you know. That's you know, the point. And I'm like, that's, uh, that's the point. Like even like in Surrender Your Sons, like I would get like notes from people when I would do like revise and resends for other editors. Flux mm-hmm. was like, thankfully on, on the trolley. But um, there would be there would be like a few editors who were just like, yeah, this just seems like it's hard to connect to him. And I was just like, well, he's been kidnapped, so you can't connect. <laughs> well, he's been kidnapped. They're like, so. well, he's been kidnapped, so not sure. Make him not more likable. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well, you know, he like cheats on his boyfriend. I'm like, well, it's nuanced, more nuanced than that. Um, um, and I'm like, it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> I'm just like, well, that you know, like. And that's my thing. I was like, do you ever bet in high school? Like there's, it's not like, it's not like they've been married for 12 years and they have a, and they have a daughter together. Like it's, it's <laughs> like, it's, there's, you're falling in love with like new people all the time. Like you're just, your life is changing so radically and, his, and yeah. Connor's life is changing so radically. That was like something that was like super pissing me off in the feedback. Also, I'm sorry. We're on an island where people are trying to actively kill me and the right. thing you had to say to me is that I'm cheating on my boyfriend. Yeah. They were, they were like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just leaving the Like, and I even had like a beta reader just be like, yeah, I mean, I was, I was cheated on once and it was horrible. And I just really was, I was like, it's, I don't really consider, like, I, don't think I just feel like it's with Aria. Like, I just feel like that relationship was over and it's very clear from yeah. that like, chapter. Yeah. Like, even though nobody said I'm breaking up with you. It's like, he's going to college in like a month. He's barely answering his phone when he texts. It's just, also, not, they're not vibing. Like it's. No. People have been cheated on and that's not the same thing. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Yeah. So it's, but it's one of those things, I, but it's one of those things I think people are really sensitive to with gay guys because mm-hmm. that is a big stereotype for us is that like, oh, we're just like cheating on mm-hmm. no yeah. hose fidelity at all. Um, yeah. So that's something that I'm, I don't know, maybe I'll work that into the next one. I'm just, yeah. But so that, yeah. So it's my, my dirty album. I'm so excited. Already. Yep. <laughs> I can't wait to read that and just fully lose my mind. Well, look look for it in 2023 because I fucking can't like believe we're already selling. Like they're announcing books now that are like 2022. I know. I'm just like, okay. Also, we thought that this, this year we would head. be able to like have a list of books that we were going to read this year and it was going to be fine. And then as we did the list, it was like harder and harder to like schedule yeah. books to read because it's like, oh, but I want to read that one too. And that one, and that one, and that one, and that. And it was just like, everyone, please take a break. <laughs> um, so I haven't eaten since two o'clock today. So I'm, I'm going to go eat something. You should go do that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just want to talk for hours. But yeah, like, no, like this an is outro like tro or oh yeah, oh yeah, we should probably record like, yeah. <laughs> Just Bye. slowly fade the last forty five minutes of conversation. Just like my slowly my turn third the Debbie Reynolds story. Just be like anyway. So that was fun. <laughs> Twenty minutes later. All right. Over. Well, um, this is Adam Sass, author of Surrender Your Sons, and you have been listening to the Super Lit Podcast. <laughs>